Claude Morton would like to thank Original Cinematic for sponsoring this week's episode. Original Cinematic is an independent production company that has made it their mission to create, produce, and promote films that are inclusive, honor women, promote the LGBTQIA community, and provide prominent positions and roles to POC actors and filmmakers, and promote the films of marginalized and underrepresented populations. These are all things that are extremely important to our podcast as well. Original Cinematic is proud to be a WGA signatory company, and they fully stand by the WGA, SAG, and their members in their fight for extremely reasonable standards. Accordingly, they are not accepting script or treatment submissions at this time, but both William and Zena Rush are available via email, free of charge to discuss writing and provide input and resources to all aspiring writers. Their information will be made available in the show notes. Ahead of the strike, William Rush has individually produced numerous projects, including Coffee with Baba, Day by Day, They Slay, Before, Pack is Here, Abiquiu, The Winemaker, and Where Do You Draw the Line? Two feature films, Group and Immersion, are slated for release this fall. Absolutely no picket lines will be crossed and no collective bargaining agreements will be violated in the making of either of these films. And very generously, Original Cinematic is providing all Podmortem patrons with a special link to view these films. If arrangements can be made, they will even schedule a virtual or in-person screening for our patrons. We cannot thank Original Cinematic enough for their contribution to our show and the horror community as a whole. Now, back to our regularly scheduled program. Salutations! Welcome to Pod Mortem. I'm Renee Hunter Vasquez, joined as always by my co-host, my husband, and my brother. Hi, I'm John Paul Vasquez. Hi, I'm Travis Hunter. This week, we are recording live from Sangnok High School, discussing the 2003 South Korean action thriller Old Boy. Old Boy was directed by Park Chan Wook and written by Park Chan Wook, Lim Jun Young, and Hwang Jo Young, based off the manga by Garen Tsushia and Nobuyaki Minigishi. As the second installment of Park Chan-wook's Vengeance trilogy, Old Boy tells a genre-bending story of obsession and revenge. As it reaches its 20th anniversary, it is still able to command reverence and respect from its audience. With impressive direction, committed performances, and dazzling sequences, even 20 years later, Old Boy is certainly not one to be forgotten. This film was requested to us by friends of the show, Ben Coons, Sidem, and Kristen Lofton. We want to thank each of them for their support as well as this suggestion. So, what did you guys think about Old Boy the first time you saw it? I can't remember exactly the year, but I watched it with your sister. She showed me the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was, I don't think uh, flabbergasted is the right word. <laughs> I think it was more of a, what the fuck did I just watch? You know what I mean? It's not in a bad way, but like it's very, uh, it kind of fucks with you. It's There's a lot going on and then like it, towards the end of the movie, you're just kind of like, oh my fucking God, what is happening? Uh, and stuff is going on and it's, it's uh, we'll get into it, but it's, it, 
it's a great movie. It's really, really good. And everything that happens in the movie happens for a reason. And there, and I feel like there isn't anything really wasted and why something happened. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. As to where there's some movies where like, well, what the fuck was that? And then, well, that meant, you know, everything here means something or there's a reason for their reaction to what just happened. Now this is happening and it's like, oh my God. Um, but I really did enjoy this movie. I will say it, it for me, it's a movie that I can watch, but I need some time before I'm going to watch it again. Um, but it, it, it was great. And watching it for the show, I, uh, I'm not going to lie. It was a little more bleak for me than I kind of remember in some, some parts. And I was like, mm. but it, it is, uh, again, I, I did, I, I won't even say did, I do enjoy the shit out of this movie, but for me, it is going to be one of those where I can watch it and then I'm going to need a little bit of time. You know what I mean? Just, just a little bit of time in between. <laughs> I, I, don't, <laughs> I don't need to check it out immediately after or the next day. Give me some time. Give me a little bit of time. No, it requires a break. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I agree with you completely. I honestly don't remember when I watched it mm-hmm. the first time. I know that it was with Nay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I tried to pin down exactly when because I honestly can't believe that it's 20 years old. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that was kind of shocking for me to learn. I know I didn't watch it when I was 12. That, no. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not. But um, I think... You 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 put it proper. This film's a lot. Yeah. And it's really a lot of things, too, mm-hmm. because there's a very interesting mystery attached to it. Um, very, very impactful and interestingly realized action. Yeah. Uh, there is definitely some horrific and surreal aspects to it. Mm-hmm. I have to admit, I didn't remember these aspects. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Dude. <laughs> At all. I was like, oh, what? <laughs> <laughs> there we'll get to it but what? yeah <laughs> i'm gonna go to the store um but i mean uh, the thing about it is that it, it marries so many different uh ideas and subgenres together in a way that still works yeah like it it doesn't feel like they're trying to do too much mm-hmm. everything makes sense and it works in a way that is only able to be accomplished by a very very skilled filmmaker right and a crew around them oh yeah but i think that for me the first time i saw it mm-hmm. i was kind of more just blown away by the twist okay and so this time watching it for the show i was really able to kind of dissect it to see the craft behind it okay the cinematography the production design the characters yeah and the performances oh yeah it's yeah. unbelievable uh, especially towards the end but really throughout yeah and i i think that there's well and we talked about this a little bit off mic the other day there's so much in this film that i was very surprised to see the runtime this time yes yeah it feels like there's two and a half hours worth of material here. Yeah, I remember your sister had asked me. She was like, how, how long do you think old boy is? I was like, I don't know, two and some change, like two, yeah. 209 something. And she was like, I thought it was two and a half hours. <laughs> and when she asked you, you said the same thing. Yeah. You were like, two and a half? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. It's, it's not in a way that it feels like it, there's pacing issues. Yeah, no, no, no. Or that, oh, there's just so much. It's a slog to get. No. It's just the fact that I don't know how you fit this much into this runtime. Mm-hmm. And they do. And they do it so expertly and just incredibly. Yeah. 
Uh, there are, I mean, there's some uh, some real uh, taboo stuff <laughs> no going on here. It's very shocking, I yes. would say. Yes. Um, uh, distinct lack of decorum in many areas. <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like, I mean, this this film, to me, especially with what it inspires you to feel as you watch it, mm-hmm. you feel a lot. Oh, yeah. Like, you feel so much sympathy. You feel confusion. Mm-hmm. You feel, honestly, and there's some dark humor that actually hits. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Surprisingly well in some places that you're like, I shouldn't. <laughs> but <laughs> but you need it, though. Yeah. 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 It, it's that um, reprieve mm-hmm. because it is a very tense film. Yeah. But it is, I mean, it is so brilliantly crafted. To me, this film is the power of cinema. Yeah, and I do, and me and your sister were talking about it earlier. Um, the music, bro. Yes. God damn, the music in this movie. Incredible. I just, I mean, you can't say enough about every aspect. Everything, and that's the thing is that, you know, of course, everybody thinks so much about what they put on film and what they do behind the scenes and everything. Mm. But there are sometimes that you're like, God damn, movies are great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when everything is just firing on all cylinders like this. Yeah. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Uh, Like y'all both said, I got you both to watch it. (laughs) The first time I saw it, I watched it with uh, Kristen and we had no idea whatsoever what we were in for, what this was going to be. And it just blew our minds. Like I remember the credits rolling and we both, our jaws were on the floor and we just sat there in silence for (laughs) a while because we couldn't, we were so blown away Never seen some shit like that before, ever. <laughs> um, such a well-executed twist. Just, I mean, like you said, darkly funny at times. Upsetting, sad, tragic, disgusting. I mean, like, there, it's so, there's so much. Mm-hmm. Like you said, there are certain films that you watch them and you're like, this is cinema. Yeah, like, That was a fucking film and that's what this feels like and there are moments that you're like well that was that was an interesting choice but i feel like everything like you said john paul everything fits and even moments where you're like what the fuck is going on (laughs) just wait it's all explained it's i mean it is just for me and i'm not trying to give anything away (laughs) this film is a masterpiece it Mm -hmm. is uh i mean i can't say mind-blowing enough and watching the passion that went into it. And uh, again, I am a fool for Park Chan-wook. I, I, if it, you are, I am <laughs> <laughs> very much. If his name is anywhere involved, I'm intrigued. I'm there. I don't need to know anything else. And I mean, this just, it's, it's incredible. And this is a movie for a long time that we debated about even covering. Mm-hmm. And, um, T finally nudged me because it's the 20th anniversary and I was like oh boy oh but forever I've wanted to cover this and it's one of those <laughs> that it's like kind of straddles the line yeah. I will admit um as far as genres and then finally T was like don't okay like damn let's do it and I'm like no I'm scared <laughs> <laughs> it's funny to me because it, it felt like from you it was a be careful what you wish for it situation. Was. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, "Nay, it's the 20th anniversary. If there's any time to do it, we need to do it." And you're like, "Oh but shit!" Yeah. Now I'm afraid to. You don't have a choice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but um, I'm glad that we are. I feel like, and I don't think it's anywhere available to stream right now. But it's it's worth whatever to rent it mm-hmm. or buy it or or whatever. It is just such an experience that gives you something new every time you watch it. 
there are things that I watched that I saw this time that I did not notice any other time that I watched it and watching um, on the Blu-ray. There are all these behind the scenes featurettes and they point out things where you're like, oh, fuck, like <laughs> so much thought went into every single aspect, music, clothing, wallpaper. I mean, yeah. everything was so purposeful. There was a point in the movie, and when we get to it, I'm sure you guys will know, but I even, too, I and they're, the scene is going, or they're explaining whatever, and I was like, I fucking hate you, but it shows, like... <laughs> Like, but it's it's explaining what's happening, and then I'm like, ah, oh, you fucker, I fell for that or whatever. But you know what I mean. And then I was like, I was like, that's good shit. Mm -hmm. That's good because I didn't notice any of that shit. Yeah. Until you spelled it out for me, and then I'm like, oh, but what it was the there. Fuck? It was there. Yeah, it was there yeah. the whole yeah. time. There's and there's a very fascinating use of color. Yeah. Yes. You start to associate different colors with different characters mm -hmm. and then you start seeing it places and it starts to mean things. Yeah. It's just very, very well crafted. Yeah. It's it's unbelievable. Mm -hmm. um, I had mentioned at the top that this is based off of a Japanese manga. Unfortunately, I was not able to get my hands on it before it was time to record this. Um, but it is like eight volumes. It's she thick and it is apparently quite different from what we get from Park Chan-wook but I I still am interested in reading it mm -hmm. but on that featurette that I watched it fell into the hands of producer Sid Lim mm -hmm. and he read it and immediately was like this has to be Park Chan-wook and which I'm like yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> if he's on the roster like who the, you know come on please um so Sid Lim ended up meeting with Park Chan-wook and kind of discussed it. And he was like, well, let me think about it. And for the character, the the main character, Odesu, he immediately thought of Choi Min-seek, who is yeah. fucking amazing. Mm -hmm. But he met with him and he was like, the only way that I'm going to do this is if Park Chan-wook directs it. Because he was like, he, the the eye that he has, the command that he was like, I, he's the only one that I think could tr could translate this to film. And so Park Chan-wook heard that <laughs> Choi Min-seek would only do it if he did it. And he was like, well, okay, if he will, yeah. if he'll be Odesu, then I'll do it. <laughs> and um, Sid Lim said that they both signed on within a week of him meeting with them. <laughs> so, you know, that's when things start moving forward. And Park Chan-wook, like I said, changed a lot. And there are small things one in particular that I'll, I'll touch on pretty early on in the in the film but that he was like oh that changes where I'm going with this so I mean it was a constantly evolving creature he was doing things with music that he'd never done before he said that this film has more music I mean at the time of that documentary anyway than any film he's ever done more pieces of, of original music that mm -hmm. than anything else um the way that the camera moves with the cinematographer Chang Chan Hoon. Um, Brilliant. Yes. Yeah. Just completely different than anything he'd ever done. In in the case of the the cinematography, the opposite of anything that he'd ever done, according to him. We'll touch more on that later. But it's just the magic of all these things coming together and iconic performances from actors that other actors are like hey you should call so-and-so or iconic moments in the film where somebody's like what if we did it like this just the fact that the way that it came i'm just so grateful that yeah <laughs> that, the, that i exist <laughs> the same time that old no. boy exists. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i had read something similar i think it was in the hollywood reporter 
he was talking about how his previous films had been so minimalist mm-hmm. and this one they could only describe as maximalist absolutely because <laughs> there's just so much uh going into it and it's also what a lot of people consider the middle of his vengeance trilogy yeah okay I guess it's Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance, Old Boy, and then Lady Vengeance. Right. But I have not seen either side of this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's not connected. It's almost like Carpenter's Apocalypse Trilogy. Okay, okay. Which is, we just did another one of I those. I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we were just talking about that. <laughs> now, before we imprison this film for 15 years, we would like to issue a warning for spoilers. Podmortem is a very in-depth podcast, and in thoroughly discussing horror films, we have no choice but to spoil a thing or two. If you don't wish to be spoiled, please go watch the film, then come back and enjoy the show. If you've already seen the film or don't care about spoilers, then let's get revenge. The film opens with Serene Piano playing over credits until suddenly the tempo picks up and we see Ode Sue played by Choi Min Seek. So that was actually my first note was the serenity of the music. Mm-hmm. And then it immediately kicks in and it feels like an action crime thriller. Yes. Yeah, I, I was like, oh, shit, I don't remember this. And I was like, that's, uh, you got my attention? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's it. One on, ticket, please. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's all it took. Yeah. On um, the music portion of that featurette, they talked to Park Chan-wook and the composer Cho Young-wook. And Park Chan-wook apparently had wanted the entire score to be electronic like this. Oh, okay. And so it obviously was a lot of compromising. They talked about a lot of pieces that it was like well you wanted it this way well you want i mean it was just like such a push and pull on like i said on every aspect but the music was really really interesting and so i mean he got his electronic in there and this you know <laughs> the switch yeah <laughs> yeah um they named the scores after films all right because he, he was like because we both love film i was like okay <laughs> and they talked about he wanted he was very regretful because he couldn't get the funding for the orchestra that he wanted of 70 or 80 musicians. Oh, wow. The one that they got had 15. And I, I feel like they get it done. Yeah. You know, but they call this piece right here. It's called look who's talking, but to them, (laughs) I I love that. (laughs) I, you, I think you could have picked any other. (laughs) But, but they, have you seen Look yeah. Who's <laughs> <laughs> Although, but, I mean... Yeah, but they called it the most successful blending of their ideas of any score of the film to them because, you know, you get that classic and then you bring in that electronic. And Cho Young-wook had talked a lot about really wanting to kind of shatter the preconceived notion of classical music. And there's a very important scene later where um, they're playing Vivaldi. Mm-hmm. And that was another debate between between the two of them. <laughs> but um, it, it does. He was like, this is not some stuffy, you know, stuff that old people listen to. He was like, I really wanted to show that. It, it, and it is so much more than that. Oh, yeah. But yeah, uh, look who's talking. That's wild. <laughs> and I will say it does work. And the compromise is brilliant because every moment that you need certain things, it works. Yes. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of really beautiful orchestral arrangements. I'm glad that he allowed it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, I guess. John Travolta's in Liquid <laughs> Is that all you needed? That's it. <laughs> but in Desu's hand, he holds a tie. And when we pan out, we see that the tie is still attached to the neck of Suicidal Man, played by O. Kwong Rock. 
He cradles a fluffy white dog as Odesu dangles him from a rooftop by his tie. He tells the desperate man that he only wants to tell his story. The man is confused, asking Desu why he's speaking that way and who the fuck he is. He gets his answer. Desu's face shadowed against the bright sun behind him as he tells him haltingly, my name is. Suddenly, we see his face lit completely in the bright light of a police station. His hair is shorter and his face is more open. A tissue is stuck up one nostril with blood trailing from it and he finishes, Desu. I think this is the first of many incredible transitions in this film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I when this happened, I was it's some of them are shocking, some of them flow so beautifully that you barely even realize it. Mm-hmm. Um I did laugh as him holding him by the tie and he's like, Why are you talking like that? <laughs> 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 the least of your worries, man. <laughs> but um I, I do think that as it continues and we see exactly what's going on there, it just gets more and more fascinating. Oh, yeah. definitely. I was just struck by how different he looks. Yes. Mm-hmm. He's just like, What have you been through? Yes. And we learn. Yeah. We learn. But a couple sits next to him, and when someone off screen tells Desu to stop flirting with the man's girlfriend, his response is to scoot in closer to the man and ask if he was. <laughs> Desu is visibly drunk and has to be physically forced down onto the bench. He gets up, and when it looks like he's about to start peeing in the corner, he's forced down again, the officers admonishing him for having had too much to drink. <laughs> I fucking love this. <laughs> it's, and it only gets more chaotic. Yeah. And it's this scene and another one at the end where Park Chan Wook was like, go for it. Well, he did. Yeah. And, and he does. I mean, he, he does. <laughs> I love this whole part. Like, mm-hmm. the whole, th- I was like, fucking, that's the funniest shit. Like, because you're getting a sense of, like, who yes. this dude is. Yes. Yes. And it, the drastic difference from this to... What yeah. we just saw. It is very important to see him like this. Yes. Yeah. And I will say, Choi talked a lot about improv. Mm-hmm. And we do get to see quite a bit of that and see his skill at it. <laughs> <laughs> and it it's fantastic. I did laugh as the police kind of wrestle him down. One of them goes, it's a very polite assessment, but he goes, this guy's a real headache. <laughs> yes he is (laughs) there's one point in a second where he's literally on the ground and one of them is like he needs to be locked up (laughs) he's like dude we got all this stuff here we can do we can do that yeah no (laughs) he's out of control (laughs) but daesu begins to lash out yelling that he wasn't flirting and arming himself with a coat rack Finally, we see him sitting down, apologizing for his behavior, and then getting up to try to pee in the corner again. (laughs) (laughs) He steps up to the counter, trying to show everyone a picture of him, his wife, and his very young daughter. He tells them that it's his daughter's birthday and that he got her a present. We see him with this present, a bright white pair of angel wings. He puts them on and starts to sing and dance around. I did read that he had wanted them to close close up on his feet because he was doing the moonwalk. (laughs) But they didn't. Get my feet. (laughs) And when you're watching him dance, he's 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 doing the moonwalk. Clearly. Once he sits back down, he tells the room that his name, Odesu, means getting through one day at a time. Slurring, he ponders why he can't get through today. He begins to yell at them to let him go, and when he's told to shut up, he yells back in return. 
We cut to him sitting on the bench quietly, surrounded by a group of other men. The men watch in silence as Daesu resists the officers, even pulling off his own shirt and flailing and kicking on the floor. When we see him again, he is still shirtless and handcuffed in place on the bench. He's finally quiet. Well, he's handcuffed with his right arm across him. Yeah. And it's to the wall. <laughs> it's like, you're not going anywhere. No, they're like, no. That is enough. Yeah. <laughs> I think they call this doing the most. Yeah. <laughs> no, he absolutely is. Later, when his friend No Ju Hwan, played by Ji Dae Han, comes to pick him up, he stands quietly next to him. Ju Hwan apologizes profusely, saying that Daesu is usually such a nice guy and he'll make sure he doesn't get so drunk and act up again. Daesu bids the officer a good day <laughs> and says that he'll come back to see him soon. The officer tells him not to bother and Daesu tells him that's up to me assholes before running off into the rainy night. In in all fairness it is. <laughs> it is. Yeah. But he's right but he didn't have to say it like that. That's all. I actually gasped when he called him assholes. <laughs> like what are you doing, dude? You're getting to leave. <laughs> that was the funniest shit. <laughs> and your friend just vouched for you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's shitty, man. I'm starting to believe he's always like this. <laughs> <laughs> but we cut to a phone booth where Daesu makes a drunken phone call to his daughter, Yen He. He calls her his sweet pea and tells her that he got her a present, and if she'll just wait a little longer, he'll bring it to her. Juhan asks to speak with her, and when Daesu hands him the phone, he wishes her a happy birthday and promises to buy her a treat tomorrow. When Yen He's mother, Jia Hyun, played by Jo Song Gyeong, takes the phone, Ju Hwan acknowledges the late hour and says that Daesu is on his way home. When Ju Hwan turns around to tell Daesu that his wife wants to talk to him, there is no sign of him. He yells Daesu's name in the street, telling him to stop messing around because his wife wants him home now, but he can't find him. The crowd on the street parts, leaving just one person standing there under the cover of a purple umbrella. When they step away, we see Yen He's birthday present, the bright angel wings abandoned in a soaking wet bag on the street. The score mounts as we zoom in on the bag and get the credits, digitally appearing over images of ticking clocks. We get the title, Old Boy, the letters themselves moving like hands on a ticking clock. So this disappearance is so brilliantly shot. Mm -hmm. And I just love the dynamic camera movement of this continuous shot. Yes. And then he's just gone. Yeah. There's also the color of the lights in the rain. It's raining, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. Okay. It's very much raining. Okay. <laughs> just making sure. My memory isn't what it used to be. <laughs> but um, I wanted to look up, and we already discussed it, but Chung Hoon Chung. Yes. Yeah. The cinematographer. Brilliant work. He works with Park Chan-wook quite frequently mm -hmm. uh, on films like Stoker, Thirst, Thirst. Yes. Yeah. Lady Vengeance, which is the next film yes. in the trilogy. Stoker's really good, too. I have not but seen it. But go ahead. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> um, but we've talked about him before because he shot It Chapter One. Okay. That's right. Which surprised the hell out of me. Yeah. yeah. But he also shot Last Night in Soho. Ooh. Oh, yeah. I loved it. Yeah, you liked that movie. Yes. <laughs> But it's just such brilliant camera work throughout this entire film. Mm -hmm. There are some times where it is really incredible tracking shots, mm -hmm. camera movement in ways that just befits the scene so perfectly. Some handheld work that usually can be kind of frantic and uh, disorienting, but works perfectly here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, There is 
a brilliant use of wide shots when it's necessary, tight close-ups when it's necessary. The cinematography, I the, you can't say enough about it. Yeah. But I did also read in The Hollywood Reporter, Park Hyun Wan, who is in charge of the lighting of this film, mm-hmm. Lim, the producer, had said that some of the lighting in this film, each scene would sometimes take five to six hours. God. Damn. Just for him to get his lighting the way that he wanted it. Okay. And Lim was saying that it kind of pissed him off at the time because it's like, we we're on a, you yeah. know. Yeah. But when you see the finished product, you're like, of course you wanted to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The issue, though, was that the production schedule was supposed to only be 48 days and it ballooned to 72. <laughs> I'm amazed at 72. Yeah, that, yeah. yeah, honestly, with what they're able to accomplish. Yes. Um, the thing that allowed for all of this, for it to work and for them to fit so much into this tight schedule of 72 days even, is because it wasn't until 2005 that the Korean film industry had unions. Oh, wow. Yeah, and so the way that they're working, Park Chan-wook did his best to kind of be democratic about it and they would work but then he would ask the crew and have them vote who wants to keep working. Yeah. Or should we take a, wow. you know, and sometimes they would work for 48 hours straight at a time. Damn. And they talked about it. There are scenes that are filmed where some of the crew is passed out sleeping while they're filming it. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, just this incredibly strenuous schedule that really isn't befitting of anyone. No. But the work that they did is, is brilliant and they were able to fit so much into so little time. So it's one of those things where it's like, great job, but don't do that again. <laughs> Please don't do that again. That makes so much sense because Choi Men-Seek was asked um, what the hardest part of making this film was. And he talked about the the schedule, that it was just, it was too strenuous. Mm-hmm. And there are two, po- there's two moments in the film that he points at that while they were filming, he fell asleep. Wow. I'll point them out as we go. But like they have footage of it. Obviously, they didn't use it. But he's asleep. <laughs> yeah. Like he, he's a fucking exhausted. <laughs> well, damn, they're working like that. Yeah. That's wild. Yeah. But while we're talking about the cinematographer, that's what I was talking about. Park Chan Wook doing the exact opposite of what he had done prior, mm-hmm. because he said that an, before in his other films, he thought that any movement of the camera needed to happen because of a motivation. It need to be needed to be inwardly motivated by the story, by a character, by something. But this film, he said, I want the camera moving constantly. And I mean, yeah. <laughs> it does. Yeah. And it was to what you were speaking about, the the moments where they choose to use a telephoto lens, moments where you're doing these wide lenses to like really drive home the space between certain characters. Like it is, it's incredible. And the grain of it sometimes you can tell. Yes. I yeah. was like, all right, let's see what you're doing here. <laughs> yeah. They also talked about Chung, and he was like, this was very risky. They did a bleach bypass process on the original negative film, mm. and it could have completely damaged it. But speaking to the purposefulness of the color palette, like you were talking about earlier, Park Chan Wook said that he wanted it to be kind of um, green. So that a lot of this film looks very rusty and uh, gives a feeling of decay. And they accomplished that using that bleach bypass. But (laughs) Chung said that 
they'll do it lightly and they didn't want to take it too far and make it look like Darius Kanji's work on seven. That's literally. Really? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> that was like, we talked about we did. quite bleak. Yeah. That, that, it's, yeah. it's really, um, really dark and bleak. Mm-hmm. So there's a balance. I, I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like they, they, uh, they started the needle. I think. Yeah. I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's also very subtle visual effects that we'll talk about later mm-hmm. that I honestly can't believe that they even did because they didn't have to. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it works. You're like, but yeah. thank you. Yeah. yeah. And before we get any further, if you are the designated driver, please keep your eyes on your drunk friends because they will wander away. Yes. And yes. even in the rain, you get happy, and they're like, "Hey, check it out!" No, so you wander off and watching this the first time—that's what I thought happened. Yeah. Yes, I was like, "Man, this dude sucks." Your friend just came and bailed you out. It's your daughter's birthday, and you're just—you know—yeah, mm-hmm. you took off. Yeah, yeah. You dropped the present. You're just gone. It's like, damn, dude. And interestingly, the purple umbrella that you saw—it mm-hmm. starts to. I mean, it's planting a seed already. Yeah. Yep. It's just amazing. Shoes approach a small locked opening of a door. The owner of the feet swiftly kicks the latch, unlocking it. And when the little door opens, we see the frantic face of Daesu, who is lying on the floor and looking up at them. He begs them to speak with him, promising that he won't ask to be let go again. He is adamant, though, that he has the right to know why he's here. He's been locked in here for two months. I will say I did appreciate him keeping track of the time for us. Yeah. <laughs> Usually films are like two months later. Yeah. But it was good that it was in dialogue instead. <laughs> the person outside the door doesn't offer a reply, but instead drops a tray of food onto the ground. Daisu pulls the tray inside, but grabs at the man's legs, sticking his head out into the hallway as he pleads with him to just tell him how long he has to stay here. Instead of a reply, the man just pushes Daisu back into the room with his feet. Daisu loses his composure, calling the man an asshole and a son of a bitch and reminding him that he's seen his face, so he's dead if he gets out of here. Maybe don't... Maybe, yeah, maybe, don't do that. Maybe don't do that. <laughs> Not the best way to handle it, but also, these doors are built poorly. They shouldn't be able to see your face. <laughs> <laughs> his whole head was out in the hallway. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Make it a smaller slot for the meal. Just for the tray. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he asks again for him to just tell him how much longer, a month two three the man closes and latches the tiny door leaving daisu to bang on it apologize and beg to just know how much longer i think that would be the worst thing Mm -hmm. i i i would i don't want to say that i could adjust but i could adjust but i need to know how long at least give me a time because if there's there's a date i have a window okay i'm gonna be here till whenever or whatever and there's a TV in the room, whatever we see later, but the time, I just, I need to know time. Please don't leave me in here without telling me anything. Yeah. And you multiply, you're like, okay, times, there's how many dumpling meals I'll leave. Yeah. <laughs> well, and then you'll figure that, it out. Yeah. You do the math. But yeah. even that. You do even, the dumpling math. And <laughs> even that, you know, as the numbers get smaller. Yeah. I, I'm almost done eating this. No, yeah. 3,000 dumplings until whenever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, now I'm at 2,500 dumplings. Yeah. 80 left and I'm gone. You don't even know. You it's don't su- even have it's, a, it's like something Homer to look forward to. Yeah. When, when he was eating the American cheese. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Whoa>. <laughs> but I, I will say I did read that that was one of the things that intrigued Park Chan-wook the most. Okay. Was this idea of being in captivity but not knowing. And there's this wonder of what's worse. Yeah. Knowing or not knowing. 
No, I'd rather know. Uh, but uh, I don't I, uh, but, but the, the, answer. the answer is <laughs> but but no I don't know if I'd rather know that but even that yeah. I mean you have you know That's okay true. bet yeah. I'm still gonna and I'll be young ish uh-huh. I'm whatever the I tunnel's still got long time. but yeah. there's still a light yes yeah. ten thousand dumpling meals yeah. <laughs> yeah. hey but you got a number you know you got a number you know. Inside of his room, Daesu throws a fit. He knocks his food onto the floor, picking up his meal tray and banging it. He throws his plate against the door, shattering it. I was like, damn, they gave him a glass plate? Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's not... <laughs> and this looks like an apartment. Yeah. Yes, yes, it does. We see that his cell looks like a cheap hotel room, complete with a bed, a bathroom area, and a shower, and a TV. Yeah. In a voiceover, Daesu wonders if they had told him then that it would be 15 years, would it have been easier to endure or harder? Now that we've seen his uh, room, mm-hmm. um, I wanted to talk about the production designer, Ryu Seong Hai. She was extremely meticulous. And on that, on that um, featurette, she was like, I don't want to do a safe film. I don't want to do something boring. I want to do something very outside the box, very unique. She was like, I knew that this was going to be a great film, even though people around them were like, mm, I don't know. I was going to say she picked the right project. Yes. Yeah. Um, but she talks about the repeated use of patterns in this film. Okay. And there are two kinds of patterns, kind of like the kind that we're seeing in this room um, that indicate kind of being surveilled and being watched. And that is a repeated theme again once you know you're like oh my god once you know and you watch it again you're like that 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 Mm -hmm. it tells you so much more that you don't find out till later that makes so much sense um and also the use of kind of uh like spiral motifs and kind of branching out to where um kind of indicating cause and effect how one small thing could really spiral out you mm-hmm. know i'm really trying to not, <laughs> to not be doing too much but um everything was so meticulous and there is kind of like a honeycomb pattern in this room to kind of bump up anxiety she said and i watched they had people come in because again as we've learned he's gonna be here for a while yeah i saw um kind of uh a team coming in and making the room look a little more dingy a little more weathered like as the the scenes go by and it's just it's uh just wow i mm-hmm. think for me it's the f- the fake scenery in the windows yes and it's you like can mocking tell. Yeah. yeah and i think even in the shower there's a tiny little like window there and it's like oh my god you're you know it's like i'm uh, i'm in a box this is yeah. it yeah, yeah this is none of this shit is real it's very cruel yeah i i did see an interview with her as well where she talked about kind of wanting to do something different than what you would expect in a film like this yeah because in most genre films she said if you think of someone being in captivity it's a box in bars mm-hmm. yeah it's like it's, a dungeon yeah but this is literally it is like a motel room yeah, yeah. and it's one of the many things that happen in this film park chan wook talked about it as well where he just wants to do something that that is unpredictable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Keep the viewer guessing and not give them anything that they would expect to see. Yeah. And yes. Yes. Oh yeah. But it fades to black and we come back up on a painting hung on the wall in Desu's room. The words on the bottom read, laugh and the world laughs with you. Weep and you weep alone. This is extremely important mm-hmm. and recurring. 
So I did get curious and I wanted, you know, I Googled it. I was like, this is, you know, because it kind of reminded me of something. And I was like, all right. And I seen it. It's a poem called Solitude by Ella Wheeler Wilcox. Hmm. It's it's a little it's a little longer. It's about three paragraphs, but it's it's great. I would recommend to go read it. Hmm. And the term solitude. Yeah. And I, I will say his smile that he gives off, it it feels like a mimic. The the way that I interpreted it before I knew anything about the poem mm-hmm. was kind of his attempt to ward off the loneliness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like if he weeps, he's alone. But if he laughs or smiles. He has to make it into, yeah. Yeah. And I was like, man, and this comes up. Yeah. It's heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. But the painting depicts a man, his teeth bared and exposed, but with an expression that could either be one of laughter or of weeping. Immediately, we cut to Desu, his hair long and wild, bearing and exposing his teeth in the same way, treating the painting as a reflection. This is a very striking image. Mm-hmm. I realized g- going into this film, rewatching it for the show, mm-hmm. there are far more iconic moments than I realized. Yeah. yeah. And the way that they continue to pop up, you're like, oh, yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is one of them. And there are countless more that we'll talk about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But a cloud of gas is released into the room and Desu's voiceover tells us that when the music begins, the gas is released. And when the gas is released, he falls asleep. Some nights, I think I could use the gas. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be kind of nice. I mean, yeah, right? Not, not every night. No, no. <laughs> that, I think that would hurt. Yeah. <laughs> he sits on his knees on his bed, swaying gently until he collapses onto the bed and the lights turn off. We watch him sleep from his vent. As his voice goes on to explain, he found out later it was the same gas Russian soldiers used on Chechen terrorists. The lights come back on and two men enter the room. They unfurl a bag of barber instruments and Desu continues that when he wakes up, his hair is cut. He says that he doesn't like the style, but the men change his clothes and clean his room. We see them plunge the needle of a syringe into his arm and it cuts to black again. Very quickly, I wanted to talk about Song Chong Hee. She was the makeup um, and hair person. And she came up with Desu's hairstyle, which is iconic as it goes on. Mm-hmm. I don't mean to keep using the word iconic, but it is. It is. Um, the, the silhouette, like everything, his hair is very much um, a part of the yeah. identity of the character. And Park Chan-wook said that just the hairstyle that she decided on changed the course of the film because looking at Choi Min Seek with this hair made him realize that this could be more surreal and exaggerated. And yeah, <laughs> it definitely is. It's wild to think of what this film was going to be before that. Yes. Yeah. They had said that they were going to take the material from the manga and turn it into a just straightforward film noir. Okay. And then when that haircut came to be, they were like, hold on. (laughs) (laughs) What the fuck is that? (laughs) That's never been in a film noir that I've ever seen. (laughs) Plus, this would be very concerning. I go to bed. They come clean my room, cut my hair, give me fresh clothes and everything. And and I know I'm stuck here, but it's like, why? Then it, then you get to wondering why. Uh-huh. Why are you taking care of me? Why why am I? Yeah. What what is happening? That's exactly what I was gonna say. I'm being taken care of. You're yeah. feeding me. You're cutting my hair. You're cleaning my room. Yeah. 
and you're tucking the blankets i'm tearing hammies every night yeah. <laughs> dude stop doing that hotel <laughs> i hate it please just let it out yes i need my legs to breathe <laughs> When we see Desu again, his hair is indeed cut and he sits in a chair flipping through channels and muttering to himself. He stops on a news report about a woman who was murdered in cold blood. They travel through the home of the victim, saying that nothing was taken, so it seems to be a personal matter. They go on to mention that the woman's husband, Odesu, disappeared a year ago and is still at large. Desu grimaces and turns away from the TV, focusing on something moving beneath the skin of his arm. As the news describes Desu as a heavy drinker who fought with both his wife and his neighbors, they mention the blood samples found at the scene match his, and an ant frees itself from the confines of Desu's skin, crawling freely across his arm. I just had a lot of absurd reactions <laughs> because I didn't remember any of this happening. I didn't either. And so I was like, his wife has been murdered. Yeah. that I did not remember that either yeah. at all. And then I was like, they've injected him with bugs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then they framed him for the murder. Right. Yes. It's just like, I, this is entirely new to me. Yeah. Yeah. Desu's fingerprints were found on a cup, so law enforcement has deduced he was there with his wife recently, and the fact that the only thing missing from the home was a photo album only further backs their theory. Now, this Man. is a... Bitch? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is a throwaway line that I was working today, and I was like, oh my God! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, when they're cleaning the room earlier, they put a cup of his in a bag. Mm. I didn't even notice that until this watch. And then I was like, why are they doing that? And then, sneaky, you, then you hear that on the news, and I was like, you motherfucker, you took my cup. Yep. <sighs> He's like, I've been in here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Desu flicks the ant off his wrist and looks up at the TV in time to see his own mugshot. Ants run wild on his face now, which is twisted and contorted in his agony. The lights around him flicker on and off as Desu screams and shakes. He grabs at his own throat as he shakes, the veins in his face standing out in stark contrast as the ants run amok. Surreal, you said. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> so is he turning into an ant or is this real? He was the ant like, all along. Oh, that's, interesting. that's the, the secret. Hmm. So we got the fly. Now this is the ant. <laughs> <laughs> so it is a horror film. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I watched on that featurette, the FX technical director, Chung Sung Jin, was kind of this is this is this is a heavy task. Yeah. Um, and the CGI used in this film is so subtle in places there are places where you would not even realize that cgi was being used obviously you can tell with the ants yeah. but um and the ant breaking through the arm <laughs> but i was um shocked to learn that in that shot even the arm is fake that's not a real arm really? that entire shot is cg that's impressive i, yeah. I was like what because i thought the same thing i thought that was his, his real arm yeah. Just the ant. Yeah. yeah. They didn't have the budget to hire an ant. <laughs> <laughs> Not to break through skin. Yeah. No, that's, that's asking double. way too yeah, much. That... <laughs> but um, they were tasked with a lot of, because um, they were told it needs to be hyper-realistic. And so there is uh, something else with an ant later on that is very surreal. Mm -hmm. um, there is color correcting when we kind of visit the past for a little bit. I there would they said that there was one aspect of this that took an entire month for a person to fully accomplish to Park Chan Wook's satis 
satisfaction. We'll talk about that later on. But um, what I thought was interesting is his team. It wasn't like one guy does the color. One guy does this. Everybody was given a scene. Oh, wow. So that's your scene to do everything on. And so everybody felt this really like intense ownership over every aspect of what they were doing. Okay. So I thought that was a very interesting way to do it. Yeah. I've That's fascinating. Yeah. yeah. Suddenly, the mirror is broken and glass is scattered against the carpet. When we see Desu again, it is clear that he's attempted to take his own life by slashing his wrists. An unconscious Desu is dragged away, his bloody hands leaving a smear on the carpet as he goes. The painting stares at us as Desu's voice says that three years leave many wrinkles on a man's face. Three years. That's just wild. Yeah. And I will say that these kinds of dialogues really help a discrepancy later that I had, but it makes perfect sense. Okay. Yeah. And I think um, it's very apparent, but, <laughs> <laughs> but we'll talk. <laughs> we see him later eating dumplings and watching an infomercial joylessly. He gives us advice. If you're ever outside a phone booth on a rainy day and you meet a man whose face is hidden by a violet umbrella, make friends with the television. As he flips channels, his voiceover continues that the television is a clock, calendar, school, home, church, friend, and lover. Interesting. T, you might want to take a <laughs> take a walk. <laughs> I, 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 I will. But I, <laughs> I feel like this is very, very poignant commentary mm -hmm. as well mm -hmm. about kind of the way that media can, yeah, you know. But he presses his hand against the screen, showing a singer performing the song The Face I Miss on stage as he gives himself a hand. Mm -hmm. uh, good, Was that yeah. in the guidelines of the email? Uh, yes, the okay. decorum is maintained. <laughs> okay, yeah. all right. I will say I was surprised that his like overlords or whatever weren't like, guess him, guess him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they were watching. <laughs> <laughs> they were like, man, this poor guy. Let him, let him, let him. Yeah, no. Just let him. <laughs> Let's see where he's going with this. <laughs> Well, what's sad is what's happening here, and that like he, well, he's like, it, it's the song finishes, and he's just like, no, yeah. <laughs> well, so he says and laments that his lover's song is too short, and he and the singer both lower their heads, and immediately we cut to him unconscious, being dragged away by the men again, his hands bloody after another attempt on his life. Daesu sits at his table with a journal in front of him. The news comments on a bridge suddenly collapsing in Seoul. Daesu snatches up his pen, intent on writing a list of anyone he's ever fought with, offended, or hurt. As he fills the pages, he calls it both his prison journal and an autobiography of his evil deeds. He finishes the first journal completely, pushes it to the side, and grabs up another. He starts to write in that one, too. Realizing that although he thought he lived a normal life, there was too much wrongdoing. It fades to black. I think that's what makes this so frightening mm -hmm. is when you've done so much wrong that this is there, there's no telling. Yeah. Who could it be? This was another change that they made from the manga because and again, I, I wasn't able to read it, but 
apparently the main character in the manga is just a regular dude. And so it was very much, who would want to do this to me? Mm-hmm. Okay. Daisu is like, okay, which one of y'all motherfuckers? Like, yeah. There's a laundry list of people who might who might want to do this to you. That What life are you living? That's yeah. That's wild. A wooden bird pops out of the cuckoo clock to announce the hour. Daisu sits down to eat, his hair grown out long and wild again, and he realizes that he's been mistakenly given three chopsticks. He feels bad for the man he presumes to be in the next room who probably only has one. But a guard sitting in the hallway turns toward Daisu's room when he hears a repetitive thudding. But Daisu is boxing a crude drawing of a man that he's done on his wall. He goes over a list of men who could have done this to him, but finishes with the warning to whoever it was to just wait. He vows to rip him limb from limb and to chew up every last bit, leaving nothing to be found. He continues to fight the wall until he falls to the ground, whimpering and nursing his bleeding hand. But he gets back up and continues fighting. Later, after dipping the sharpened point of a bedspring in ink, Daisu gives himself a tattoo, one line representing each year he's been here. He knows that next year's tattoo will be easier because he's starting six years behind. He digs the point into his skin. Afterwards, he reaches underneath his mattress and takes out that lucky extra chopstick and begins digging into the wall. He muses that the more tattoos he has, the shorter the chopstick and the bigger the hole in the wall. He just needs a Rita Hayworth poster, I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's in like full payback mode. He's like, oh no, I'm going to get out of here. Yeah. And I think that's the thing that would really kind of scare me a little bit. Yeah. If I'm him, is the fact that I'm doing this and no one's no one's stopping, <laughs> stopping me. Yeah. yeah, like I'm I'm beating the shit out of this wall, man. Yeah, I'm cutting a hole in the wall, yeah. and nobody's like, hey, hey, yeah, because they can see us. Yeah, that's even scarier though, it's, because yes. it's like I don't need to stop you because you're not fucking going anywhere. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, he'll tire himself out. Yeah. <laughs> he needs yeah. this. We won't even need to waste the gas tonight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He says that the time passes well as we watch him etch an eighth tally into his hand, his knuckles calloused from his training. Once he dislodges a brick from the wall, the light from his room casts into a dark hallway and Desu grins through the hole. He watches boxing as he counts nine years, 10 years, 11 years. Time passes and the hole in the wall grows bigger as he pulls pieces away. A news report announces the arrest of ex-president Chun Du Huan, the Hong Kong handover ceremony, Princess Diana's funeral. He announces 12 years as the political news continues, ceremonies and presidential visits and elections. The countdown to the year 2000. Daisu can now reach across the small hallway and begin to dig through the brick on the other side. We see the devastation of 9-11, the Korea World Cup, 13 years. Daisu shadow boxes in his room as Romu Hin is elected president, 14 years. The montage ends. See, this is where I was like, dude, nobody's paying attention to you at this point. Clearly not. You're like half your body's in this hole <laughs> yeah. digging on the yeah. other side. Nobody thought to stop. It's like, huh, what's he doing in there? Yeah. They're All like, right. oh, that's yeah. cute. <laughs> oh, look at the guy in number 13. Like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. There's no way that they have this operation, but not security cameras. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah no. That's impossible. I will say this split screen montage 
brilliant work. Yes. Mm-hmm. It really helps with the passage of time and it really sells even more. I mean, you've got the tattoos, you've got his changing physical condition and all that, but this montage just helps even more. Yeah. And it's like, damn, dude, you missed all of the 90s, dude. Oh, all of dude. it. You mm-hmm. never got to listen to Nirvana. No. Or all the other things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you missed the whole grunge movement, dude. <laughs> Rain pours outside on the city street. We pan to the side of a building where a brick is pushed out. Desu sticks his hand into the night air for the first time in 15 years, and it is raining again. I was like, or to him, is it still raining? Oh, yeah. Oh, fuck. But he worked hard for that. He, he did. He drops of rain. Yeah. Get yourself a taste. Yeah, yeah. you earned that shit. <laughs> <laughs> he fills it on his fingers, and he pulls his hand in and licks at the rainwater greedily as his voiceover repeats a mantra, promising himself that he will be out of here in a month, exactly one month. A sobering thought hits him that when he gets out, he'll need money. He wonders if he will steal or rob. He wonders what he'll eat first, kimchi soup or grilled eel, but decides that he'll be happy with anything that's not a fried dumpling. The lights turn off and the goodnight gas begins to fill the room. Desu scrambles to push his bed against the wall to hide his work. He ponders where he could be, realizing that it must be the city because of the street noise. As he lays down on his bed with a big smile on his face, he knows that the most important thing is what floor he's on. What if he were to break through the wall and plummet from the 52nd floor? But as he looks at the tallies forever etched onto his skin, he decides that even if he were to plunge to his death, he'd still be getting out. He's getting out. In a month, he's getting out. As the gas fills the room, it fades to black. Later, as Daesu lays on the bed, a woman walks into the room. She is Miss Yoo Hyung Ja, played by Lee Seung Shin. She stands in a puddle of dried blood on the carpet before sitting on his bed. Miss Yoo holds a bell over him, instructing him to picture himself laying in a field. She says that when he hears the sound of the bell, he'll turn his head and look down. She rings the bell and Desu follows instruction, turning his head and just off the side of the bed, seeing exactly what she describes, an endless field of green grass. On this field, a red suitcase shakes until it falls over onto its side. Music crescendos but stops altogether when the suitcase pops open to reveal Desu. So there's, I mean, there's some mixed emotions going on here. I'd yeah. Say. yeah. I Well, firstly, the greens, the reds, and the purples. Mm-hmm. Brilliant colors that come up a lot and mean a lot of things. Yes. Yeah. But I also, if I'm Desu, I, I'm kind of pissed off of all the energy I expended. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Digging out that hole just for you to throw me in a suitcase and yeah. <laughs> put me in a field. Thanks a lot. But just to clarify, this is real, right? Because she did seem like she was putting us in a trance. See? And when this yeah. first... First time I thought this might be a dream. Yeah. As well. So I I get that, but it is real, I think. It really it, <laughs> I think <laughs> Well, because of the rest of the film, I think. But yeah. yeah, no, it's definitely real, but it adds to that sense of unreality of like mm-hmm. is this a 1408? I yeah. was out. Like are we going to get to the movie and you're st- the end of the movie and you're still in the room? Yeah. yeah. No, that doesn't happen. No. <laughs> Spoiler but, you know, alert. Yeah. It's just so it's so sudden. Yeah. He spills out, grunting and struggling to his feet. His eyes dilate in the long-forgotten sun, and he turns away from it, tears streaming down his face. 
He looks around at his place on a grassy rooftop before looking at himself, his fresh designer suit and the nice new watch around his scarred wrist. When he sees the suicidal man sitting on the other side of the roof, clutching a fluffy white dog, he makes his way over to him. Perched on the ledge, he tells Desu not to stop him, but he doesn't move away as Desu advances. Astonished and amazed at the sight of another human being, Desu takes the man's face in his hands. He runs his fingers through his hair. He smells him. His hands tremble as he takes the man's hand and runs it over his own tear-streaked face. Sobbing now, the man asks Desu, even though I'm no better than a beast, don't I have the right to live? First of all, incredible line and very important that comes up. Yeah. But just the reaction, just the performance Mm -hmm. of no human contact in 15 years. Yeah. Yeah. Just the fact of seeing another human being. Yeah. I don't even know. And he sells it so well and so just tragically. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Desu only repeats the question back at him, his breath shuddering before answering yes. The man repeats yes before sobbing loudly and letting himself fall backward. With cat-like reflexes, Desu catches the man's tie. We see them the way that we met them, intense music pulsing and Desu holding the man to the roof by his tie. Man, that was a great movie. Fucking yeah. <laughs> Just a pause? Yeah. yeah. Like, that short shit. film was... Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> He looks around at the apartment buildings being constructed around them, commenting that that's where the phone booth used to be. He calls his captor a fool for releasing him on the roof. He turns his attention to the man whose life he is currently saving, telling him that he can die later because now he wants to tell him his story. We get one last shot of the man precariously hovering above the street below, Desu suspending him this way by the fabric of his tie as a bus drives below them. It fades to black. So I saw in a featurette how they filmed this. Mm-hmm. And you would think with all the sly CGI that they use from time to time. Yeah. That this would be used here, but it's not. And What? They, the only CGI that's really used is the wires erasing the ones that are being held by the crew. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Because <laughs> the actors are really on a rooftop. And they're just being suspended by wires to where he doesn't fall to his death. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, I don't, don't have know. to do this. Yeah. Uh, no, yeah, no shit. We can't be in a studio right now. Yeah. <laughs> Later on the rooftop, we join them after Desu has told his story. The man nods in understanding and then announces that he'll be telling Desu his own story. In response, and without a word, Desu gets up and walks away. He Einstein him, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's my only note. Yeah. I was like, damn, dude, he listened to you. Yeah, oh, the whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> the man calls after him, trying to tell him the reason he wanted to die. But this is lost when Desu just literally leaves. We cut to an elevator where Elevator Lady, played by Kim Young Ai, averts her gaze behind her cat eye sunglasses and clutches the purse over her shoulder. We glide over to Desu, who is crammed with his back into the back corner of the elevator, his hands splayed out on the walls on either side. His voiceover points out that this is a female human, and we hear him screaming internally. 
so this reaction of his is very cartoonish mm-hmm. and it kind of lends to what you were saying about the surreal yeah exaggerated yeah all because of this haircut we get moments like this yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thank you haircut <laughs> The next time we see Daesu, he is casually striding away from the building, wearing those cat eye sunglasses. We see the lady speaking animatedly with the security guard outside, pointing at Daesu. But just as the guard turns toward him, the man from the roof crash lands on a car parked outside. I saw how they accomplished this. Mm -hmm. And it's honestly wild because what they did was they put a stuntman on a crane I would guess maybe 15 feet in the air, Mm -hmm. a lot of padding on his back, and he literally just jumps from the crane. Oh my God. Back first, spine landing into this car, and it just, I mean, it does what a car would do if you'd land. So uh, he really crashed into a car? I believe so. Jesus. (laughs) Oh my God. They lifted him up. He's wearing the same suit as the actor was, of course. Yeah. So it appears the same, but his back was just fully padded. But that was it. Man, that... That's wild. Hell, yeah. yeah. That, because it looks... It doesn't look CGI. No. And I was like, so is that a dummy or what happened? But because it's fast. Mm-hmm. But God damn, dude. It's like you you could have just had a weighted dummy. You don't yeah. Have- <laughs> <laughs> but shit. Bravo, dude. Yeah. Hell, yeah. And they just lift him up out of the shattered glass. And he's like, all right, what's up? Yeah. What's next? <laughs> what's for lunch? <laughs> I did read as well that this character is a side character in Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance. Really? And I don't, not that they were, that not that he was like integral to the plot, but that he is there and recognizable. Hmm. Okay. So I don't know what that connection is or if it's, you know, just like a little Easter egg or what. I don't know. So maybe that's just like to connect the universes or something maybe. Yeah. Or maybe we would know if we watched the first movie why he was feeling that way or what happened oh. i mean i don't i don't know but that is some homework that i'm going to do yeah. <laughs> that's really interesting mm-hmm. but the lady screams and drops to the ground as the guard and a bystander rush to the man's aid though it's no use daisu breaks his stride for only a moment before continuing his journey his voiceover reminds us laugh and the world laughs with you Weep and you weep alone. A huge smile spreads over his face. Later, Daesu looks up and down a busy street, realizing that his home is gone and he can't call family or friends because everyone thinks he murdered his wife. As he looks down at a group of unsavory characters hanging out below in the street, he accepts his status as a fugitive. Without a word, Daesu walks over to the cigarette thugs. He takes a cigarette out of one of the men's mouths and places it in his own, taking a long and savored drag. In response to this, the men see no other recourse but to whoop Daesu's ass. Now, <laughs> you shouldn't do this. No! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not, not that this is the appropriate response, but come on, man. Yeah. Everyone's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> one of them calls him a slur-adjacent name and kicks him. He rolls over and sprawls out on the ground, musing at the name that he was called and realizing he's never heard it before because the TV doesn't teach you curse words. They didn't get HBO in there. (laughs) (laughs) 
Still smoking the cigarette, he stands and strolls over to the waiting gang. He ponders if his 10 years of imaginary training will be of any use in real life. But as he quickly dodges the incoming punch of one man, knocks him down and proceeds to make short work of the other four, he knows the answer. It is. I just have two things here very quickly. Mm -hmm. First of which is when he lands on the ground, the way that he is lit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's like every shot is more beautiful than the last one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And this just continues throughout the film. The framing, the lighting is just brilliant. But I want to say when it comes to action, one thing that I really, really hate about a lot of American action films is that each fight sequence contains about, I've counted, about 7 million cuts. Yeah. Yeah. And so this scene is very short, but there's literally one cut. Mm -hmm. And so if you like action like this, just wait. Literally. There's a lot to talk about (laughs) coming up. When we see Desu again, he is peering through a restaurant window at a fish tank and identifying the striped beak fish inside, detailing its tenacity when it's caught despite its weak reflexes. And this is like, dude, you were just absorbing mm-hmm. yeah. nature document. You know what I mean? Like anything that mm-hmm. you could watch. He continues to ponder the fish until he is joined by Beggar, played by Lee Dae Hyun. Just as he notices his presence, the man hands over a phone and a wallet to Daesu. Daesu takes possession of the items and the man warns against asking him any questions because he doesn't know anything. I gotta be honest, I don't, this might be unpopular, but if this were to happen at this point after all I've been through, just take me back to the room. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck it, this is clearly organized. I don't know what you got next planned. (laughs) I can't take it. Take me back to the room. I think that would suck a little. You know what I mean? It would Mm -hmm. be like, okay, I just kicked these guys' ass. That was cool, whatever. (laughs) And then they're like, oh, here you go. And before you say anything, I don't know shit about shit. I'm going to take off. Yeah. Let me get some of this food first and then then take me back. The fact that that you knew where I was to come and do this. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm not free. Like, I'm free, but I'm not free. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But with that, the man gets up and walks away. Daesu opens up the wallet to find that it is stuffed with cash. He sits at the bar of the sushi restaurant. Behind the counter, as she slices fish, Mi Du, played by Gang Hai Jong, asks for clarification on something that he said. So he repeats it for her, his eyes hidden behind his new sunglasses. I said I want to eat something alive. She had said that when she had auditioned, they gave her a scene that was kind of nondescript as far as the plot was concerned. Mm -hmm. Right. But she was very concerned about getting this role because she loved the script so much. And so she said that if (laughs) she said, if I fail this audition, I'll die. And if I get the job and I don't do a good job, I'll die. (laughs) She wanted it so bad. And she was just, it was one of those things where she was telling herself, look, if you don't get it, it's okay. But she did not believe that for one second. Yeah. Yeah. But I will say that her performance in this film is so good. Oh yeah. I'm so glad that she got the part. Yes. Mm -hmm. And everything that this role, I feel like is kind of an unsung hero kind of, because there is a lot of focus, of course, put on Choi because of his amazing performance. Yeah. I don't see enough praise. Oh, for sure. For her. Because yeah. yeah. she does brilliant work. Mm-hmm. 
And they had talked about the um, audition process for it because, and I, I won't say anything yet, but try to remind me to revisit this later on. Mm-hmm. There is a very important duality to this character and they needed somebody who could portray both sides of that coin. And so it wasn't, I mean, she got it for a reason. It was really cute though. Cause in that documentary, <laughs> she said that she, she called herself the walking shop because, um, they talked about she would always bring pastries and milk for everybody. <laughs> she said that the true joy when you're filming on such a strenuous schedule was eating tasty food. And she said that Park Chan-wook loves to eat and so does she. So um, another actor that we meet later on said that he feels like she spent her entire salary on food for everybody. because She would just bring <laughs> snacks every day. And it was... Uh, she said that they... Um, tried to to make it nicer by calling her a walking encyclopedia but she's like i wasn't an encyclopedia i was a shop i was just, <laughs> <laughs> i was bringing food to everyone <laughs> but there are a couple scenes where she talked about having a lot of trouble finding her character and um just being really really nervous and we'll talk about that later on but she, the she overcame and she just does such an amazing job mm-hmm. yeah that that is for me the biggest strength and a tiny piece of the weakness for me in the movie. Cause I feel all these characters I fucking, I'm like, Oh, uh, you know what I mean? <laughs> in certain parts. And it does sometimes it gets a little too real. And sometimes it's like, Oh man. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, they act their fucking asses off in this movie. Everybody for sure. Mm-hmm. But me tells him long time, no see. And Daisu's monologue tells us what we already know. He's never been here, but she does look familiar. Midu realizes, maybe not, but that he also looks familiar. She asks if they've met before. Daisu lowers his head and realizes where he knows her. The search for the best chefs, which came on Channel 11 at 6.30 on Thursdays. (laughs) She was the youngest female Japanese cuisine chef. Midu says that she thought the ratings on that show were low, but she supposes not. When he says that women's hands are too warm to make sushi, she laughs, remarking that he sure does know a lot before walking away. Is your source on this reliable? Yeah, what the fuck? (laughs) Is that why she got kicked off? (laughs) So ridiculous. (laughs) Once she's out of sight, the cell phone rings and Daisu snatches it up. The tense theme begins to play as he waits for the person on the other end to speak. When they don't, he asks, who are you? The voice on the other end is flat, asking him if he likes his clothes. His face and voice trembling with emotion, Daesu whispers, asking why he locked him up. Midu has returned behind the bar and eyes him discreetly as he speaks. The voice on the other end asks Daesu who he thinks he is. Daesu ventures a guess, but he's wrong. He ventures another, wrong again, another, and another, and another, more and more names until he yells, who the hell are you? The voice answers that he is none of these people, but he's something of a scholar and his major is Daesu. <laughs> he calls himself a Daesuologist and says that who he is isn't what's important. What's important is why. I will say there are some very slight clues here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And 
Desu is very distracted. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, understandably. Not up on them. He is trying to have dinner, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's very hungry. It's inconsiderate to call during dinner, but <laughs> I, I'd be a little curious. Be like, what's my favorite color? <laughs> if you know everything, right? What's my middle name? You <laughs> fail. <laughs> he tells Desu to review his entire life. School is over, so it's time for him to do the homework. Hmm. Hmm. He gives him a parting comment to think over. Be it a grain of sand or a rock in the water, they sink the same. Desu just wants to ask one question. When he was hypnotized in that room, what was the hypnotic suggestion? The voice just replies, I miss you. Hurry up and come to me. We see the person on the other end snap their phone shut, ending the call. I just want to say I'm not, you know, critiquing her hypnotism skills. Mm-hmm. Usually, you aren't supposed to remember that you've been <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hypnotized. I would yeah. say, right? <laughs> just making sure. <laughs> but I will say that is one thing I forgot completely about mm-hmm. this element of hypnotism. Yeah, yeah, because. Part of my notes, I had such a strong critique about the way that things seem to move so quickly from here. Yeah. And once we understand, I had to go back and cross a lot of things out. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> That's what I love is movies where it's like, no, this doesn't make any fucking... Come on. And then it's like, oh, never mind. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, you mean just wait and watch them tell the story? Oh. Okay, got it. Yeah. <laughs> that is funny. I didn't think about that until now. If you're a sleeper agent, you don't know that. Yeah. You, don't, <laughs> you don't know that. True, yeah. He remembers. <laughs> so what's that thing you told me to do? Yeah. Yeah, don't worry about it. Yeah. What's, what's the code word I'm waiting for? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but Daesu also closes his phone and sits in silence. Midu returns with what he requested, asking if she can slice it for him now that he sees it's alive. Daesu turns his attention to the plate in front of him, where a live octopus wriggles on a plate. Instead of letting her slice it, he scoops it up in his hand and bites the head off. He gathers the writhing tentacles together and slurps them into his mouth like a handful of live noodles. They crawl down his throat and cling to his face in desperation. Midu watches this with an expression of mild amusement. She quips that she must be different than other women because her hands are very cold. To prove this, she rests a hand upon Desu's tattooed one. His monologue asks what's with her before he collapses headfirst onto his plate. A tentacle wiggles beneath his face as Midu calls for help and shakes him, trying to revive him. His voiceover repeats, keep this in mind, be it a grain of sand or a rock in water, they sink the same. It fades to black. Man, I'd like to say that I would like to try to do that, but I'm not going to bite an octopus's head off like that. That's a lot. And yeah. this was real. This was, yeah. This oh was no. Yeah. Digital. I could tell. This wasn't I was fake. Like, yeah. It's, it's very funny. T and I were talking off mic earlier that the story that we always heard about this scene was that Choi is Buddhist mm-hmm. and it destroyed him to film this. And he sobbed and had to pray for forgiveness after. And I watched him be interviewed and that is just not the case <laughs> no <laughs> at all and i watched them film the scene yeah, yeah. not the case no wow. um he said that he did grow up buddhist his mother and his grandmother are but that he is not 
practicing. Okay. That being said, he still doesn't prefer to eat raw or live mm-hmm. food, but that they did this with four or five octopi. Yes. And um, he was fine. Yeah. That he felt a little bad because he said that they had to keep doing it because the live octopus didn't look as live as they wanted it to. <laughs> So you what? see them like sprinkling salt on it, trying yeah, to get it to, to move yeah. more. But he said that they went with the one that clung to his face the most. Oh, okay. And there were we were talking earlier. There were literally scenes that he ruined because he was laughing. Yeah. So it's like it's so it's such a weird misconception that people are like it wrecked him to. Yeah. He's like, it's not true. No, not yeah. at all. They asked them on a featurette the most difficult scenes for each of them to film, mm-hmm. and they assumed that he was going to say this scene. Yeah. But he goes, "Oh, it wasn't really difficult. Straight up." Yeah. And so it's like I don't know why this misconception has been so prevalent yeah but they did say and with the salt that actually ruined one of the takes okay because it was too salty for him to even eat (laughs) (laughs) so they had to do another one and it was actually the last octopus damn okay and that's the one that ends up in the film because it was clinging to his face yeah yeah octopus so good (laughs) (laughs) that's the take it's really good but (laughs) yeah not like this no no (laughs) well i don't know i've never had it that's fair fair enough fair enough But when he wakes up, he is in a bed in Midu's home. She lies on the floor reading and immediately asks him, is all this true? Daisu realizes that she is reading his stack of journals. He rushes out of bed and snatches them away from her, saying nothing. He cradles the journals as he collapses back into the bed, smacking his head on a wooden table in his haste. This was an accident. I was going to say, you can tell that hurt me personally Mm -hmm. because I've hit my head on. (laughs) I think, yeah. And I was like, oh, God, I was like, that was real. Mm -hmm. You didn't mean to do that. Yeah, but Park Chan-wook said it was funny. (laughs) They commended her because she continued with the take. Yeah. Because honestly, as a young actor, your instinct should be, are you, are okay? you okay? Yeah. <laughs> but she's like, no, for the, you know, the film. Yeah. And they kept it in and it's, uh, it works. It does. Yeah. I think it's this scene that I saw in that featurette that she kept having false starts with her lines. And Park Chan-wook was like, this is your apartment. This is your home. You should feel comfortable here Mm -hmm. as this character. And so she said that that made her look around the set and realize like your home is a reflection of you. And so she really drew um, inspiration from Midu's apartment. Okay. That was honestly what was fascinating to me because that question that was posed to her as well. Yeah. And this was the scene she chose as the most difficult. Yeah. Because of those false starts. Yeah. All right. Considering all the things that happen later. Yeah. Very surprising. But Midu comments that the fever medicine she gave him really works. And having read his journal, she can't help but say that he passed out very easily for someone who exercised so much. (laughs) (laughs) Daesu covers himself in the blanket and tells her that lack of sunlight over time leads to vitamin A and E deficiencies. He tells her clinically that this is the reason for his lack of immunity against influenza. Midu is like, do you always talk like that? (laughs) I got to be honest, seeing the fact that she took him to her apartment yeah. was shocking. Yes. Uh, yeah, a little. It's a customer you spoke to maybe five minutes. Yeah. yeah. This is an ambulance. This is the hospital. Yeah. yeah. But again. Exactly. Yeah, just hold on. Mm-hmm. 
She gets up to leave the room as he finds a pack of pills in his bed. She tells him that the bathroom door is broken and it won't lock, but not to get any ideas because she can slice him up like sashimi. He holds the pack up and asks what the pills are, and she tells him plainly, suppositories. How else can you give medicine to someone who fainted? And then she just leaves the room. (laughs) Unacceptable. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I guess. I I guess. No. (laughs) In the bathroom, she sits down on the toilet, a knife gripped in her hand. Despite the warning she just gave, Daisu runs into the bathroom and kisses her. He grips at her legs, but she hits him in the head with the butt of the knife and he falls onto the floor. He retreats into the bedroom where he gets dressed. And when she joins him, he tells her that he deserves to die for what he just did. Again, unacceptable. Yes, oh, very. Yeah. yeah, I was watching this and I was like, Daisy, what are you doing? What man? are you doing? I couldn't believe. Yeah. Midu takes the blame, saying that she understands his anger for her bringing him here only to deny him. Again, no. which is bullshit. No. But she admits that she brought him here because she likes him, but he doesn't even know her name. As she cleans the blood off of his forehead, she tells him, Me do. She vows to him that they'll show each other the flesh when she feels ready to. She read the words to the song, The Face I Miss, in his journal, and elects that to be their signal. When she starts singing that, he needs to get himself ready right away. She tells him that she may want to stop at the critical moment, but to go forward anyway. I was like, girl. Yeah. Can we talk about safe words or whatever? I don't like what you're saying. Like, yeah, I, Because the way she says it, I was like, I don't, I don't feel comfortable with that. I was going to say every aspect of this scene is uncomfortable. Yes, Extremely. Yeah. Daisu seems confused by this and lies down on the floor. She asks him about the ants and if he can still feel them and if they still come out of his skin. She says that the ants are about loneliness. Every lonely person she's ever met has hallucinated ants at least once. She realizes that ants always move in groups and maybe that's why lonely people hallucinate them. Of course, she never has herself. But we see Midu, alone on a train, her makeup smeared and her face streaked with tears. On the far end of the car sits a giant ant. It sits in a seat and she looks over at it for a moment before staring forward again and wiping the tears from her face. I'm getting to the next car as fast as possible. Literally. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I can't even play the beginning of Fallout. <laughs> um, I did see them filming this. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I believe the ant was kind of a big animatronic that they compiled together and put into that seat. Oh, all right. But they were actually filming on the subway in Busan. Really? Yeah, and they were pissing off a lot of yeah. commuters what? and people that are trying to travel, and they're like, you can't film here, and like it was bad. Oh, man. She said that they were screaming at them from right outside the car and that she couldn't even focus because they were so mad and yelling at them. But she said that she decided to use that to reflect how Me Do was feeling the whole alone in a crowd thing. Yeah. So I was like, D- okay, girl. Like, yeah. she, it Were worked. they not supposed to be there? Like, they didn't I have permission? Or? They, it, it was kind of complicated. Yeah. Because it seemed like they had permission to film in this car, but they were also pushing people off the car not to get onto it. Yeah. And then an employee seemed to be telling them that they couldn't be doing this. So I don't, <laughs> <Yeah>. know, what, <laughs> I don't know what was going know. on. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Well, that ant is like, no, I'm yeah. Gonna, yeah. don't the come on The ant's like, here. but I can be here, right? Yeah. <laughs> 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 
But she wipes her face in the train car and repeats this motion, wiping her face in her home now before laying down on the floor next to Daesoo, stretching out his arm behind her and resting her head on it. I loved that transition. Yes. Again, they're uh, fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. We're in the POV shot of someone who has entered a room filled with clocks. Clock store lady, played by Lee Young-hee, tells us that she called from overseas to see if anyone had found her dad, not even knowing that her dad had killed her mother. She assumes that the girl called them because she doesn't have any family left. She says with sympathy that the girl had lost most of her Korean and that her foster parents were both doctors. She opens up a book and hands a note inside to the person across the counter. She asks the person, who she identifies as Miss Reporter, if it's really true that Odesu really hasn't been caught. We finally see that the reporter that the woman is talking to is me do. <laughs> I laughed a little bit because I'm like, she's really inserting herself into Literally, this. That's yeah. why I was like, this yeah. bitch is game. Like She was like, bet, let's yeah. figure it out. <laughs> But she answers the question with a light shrug and a giggle. On the street, Midu gives Daesu what she found out. He now has his daughter's address and a map to his wife's grave. Daesu looks at this address, seeing that his daughter is now named Eva and lives in Stockholm. Midu asks if he's going to call her and he just walks off down the street. She rushes after him, asking if he wants her to call his daughter. She asks if he wants to go to the grave together, and Daesu turns to her, his face contorted in agony, but he transforms it into a sick smile, very reminiscent of the pained expression on that painting in his room. His voiceover promises, no, after I kill that bastard first. Read the room, man. He needs a second. You want to go now? Yeah. You want me to call her? Are you yeah. going to call her? Wait, you know where hold she is on. now. <laughs> Did I do good? <laughs> I appreciate it. Really, yeah, I do. God damn. I, I just let me breathe. <laughs> Give me one. There's a lot you're throwing at me. And I Read need a yeah. yeah. And she's <laughs> like, so you want to skip to her grave? Yeah. <laughs> It's like, dude, this is tragic. Yeah. I was married to her. Yeah. No. And you know what happened. Yes. You you, you alone know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you know, they think you killed your wife. They this, mm-hmm. that, that wasn't me. That means somebody else did that. What give me a second. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Literally. So we're gonna get ice cream after the cemetery? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Right, your smile doesn't look real. Are you okay? <laughs> You're good though, right? Yeah, yeah. Right. You're cool to handle the rest of this. Right? <laughs> God. I did want to talk about Cho Song Kyung. She was the costume designer. Mm-hmm. And she really moved forward or moved the production designer's like patterns motif to another level. Um, it was her idea to continue the patterns and clothing when they're not on the walls or in the rooms. So now outside on the street, we see really everything that Midu wears has a pattern on it. True. Okay. And it, it's, yeah. Once you know, you're like, oh shit. But I thought that that was a very interesting decision that you could very easily overlook, but mm-hmm. it really means a lot. But at a restaurant, Midu holds out a fried dumpling to him. He takes one and smells it. We see him in captivity, joylessly eating a fried dumpling. He chews on it before removing a shred of paper from his mouth that reads, Blue Dragon. Now in the restaurant, Daesu puts the dumpling in his mouth. <laughs> Overeager, Midu asks if this is the one. 
Annoyed, his inner voice complains that he hasn't even started chewing yet, but he does chew, and we cut to him leaving the restaurant whose doors read Blue Dragon. Midu rushes after him, asking if it was the same taste. We get a montage of Daesu and Midu sitting in multiple restaurants, being served multiple trays of fried dumplings. Now, this sounds like heaven to me, but yeah. I, can understand, <laughs> I can understand how it's difficult. Yeah. For yes. <laughs> I was going to say the, the the dumpling tour is beautiful. Yeah. Yes. I'm not saying it's worth 15 years of captivity, <laughs> but, but I'm, I'm not, not, not saying. <laughs> <laughs> we love a good dumpling. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> But Daesu tells us that it doesn't matter if he has to go to 10 restaurants or 100. He will never forget the taste he had for 15 years. I will say, um, I don't know how much money was put in that wallet. Yeah. Dumplings can be. (laughs) (laughs) And they're eating a lot of dumplings. Yeah, they are. are. There's a long list of crossed off restaurants. He eats dumpling after dumpling, crossing off from his list of Blue Dragon restaurants as he does so. But as he vomits in an alley, Midu looks on with dismay before crossing another one off the list with their red marker. We cut to Desu crossing off yet another with the marker at Midu's house as he looks through a phone book. She asks if she should make him an online ID with something he likes as she chats with someone online named Evergreen. When Evergreen asks where she went, she says that she was talking to him. The webcam's tight on their faces. Evergreen asks, the Count of Monte Cristo? Midu starts to type back that there's no one by that name here, but that mention got Desu's attention. He goes over to the computer, showing his face on the webcam as Evergreen's eyes stare blandly back at them. Evergreen types, how's life in a bigger prison, Mr. Odesu? First of all, I'm sorry you're talking about dumplings. You're talking about Monte Cristos. I'm really, <laughs> really hungry. Yeah. <laughs> um, what I will say is this, honestly, his reaction upcoming, I completely understand. Yeah. Yeah. I would yes! be so mm-hmm. fucking, <laughs> so mad. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I do also want to say the name being Evergreen. Yeah. The amount of green that we see in this film. Yeah. yeah. It all feels very deliberate Mm -hmm. it all feels as if it's a reminder of a presence Mm -hmm. it's so detailed and so thought out it's almost hard to believe yeah yeah but desu asks who are you so me do types it you gotta understand this dude's been gone since the 80s oh yeah he doesn't know what the fuck he's doing yeah it's like didn't he just take up a whole room (laughs) (laughs) That's a camera in there? Yeah. <laughs> in the, like, the middle of the top? <laughs> but Midu types it, and Evergreen responds, a lonely prince locked up in a high tower. Desu asks who is it again, and the man's eyes stare back at him before ending the connection. Desu looks at Midu, who admits that she doesn't know. It's just some guy she chats with sometimes. They talk about sushi. Daesu puts on his jacket and starts rummaging through the cupboard, throwing things onto the floor as he does. Midu asks where he's going, and he ignores her until he finds a hammer in a cabinet and gets ready to leave, armed. Midu goes over to him and asks again, where are you going? He looks her in the eyes and tells her flatly, I can't trust you. He leaves the apartment. Midu goes to the phone book he was looking through and sees that he ripped a page out. The scrap that remains says purple 
This is another huge because mm-hmm. purple is a very important color. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And again, my favorite color. So I already want to like this person, but <laughs> no, <laughs> hold, hold on. Not yeah. so fast. <laughs> we cut to a restaurant, purple blue dragon. Desu sits at a table, a fried dumpling stuck between his chopsticks, pondering what a dragon that's both purple and blue even means. This line mm-hmm. could mean nothing. Yeah. But it doesn't. (laughs) (laughs) As people walk and drive on a slanted street, Desu comes sprinting by in his black suit. He wonders why they would order from so far away when he had to pass five other Chinese restaurants to get there. His sprinting comes to a halt next to Delivery Boy, played by Yi Yang, as he waits for an elevator, and Daesu gasps desperately for air. His voiceover admits that his lungs feel like they're going to explode. As they ride the elevator together, Daesu tells the Delivery Boy to tell his chef to go easy on the scallions in his fried dumplings. The Delivery Boy pulls down his headphones to give him a mild, sure, before pressing the buttons for the seventh and eighth floors. I just want to say that's only his order. I want more scallions. More scallions. <laughs> all the scallions. <laughs> Give me his scallions. <laughs> right, I'll take what he's made. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> this was so smart. Yes. yes. I was like, there you go, dude. Follow this motherfucker. Don't even just play nice or whatever. Uh-huh. So, okay, no, 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 I'm going, not where you're going, but we're going the same way. But you can press the buttons. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you go ahead. And it's so eerie for it to be, what, floor 7.5? Yes. Yeah. That's just... Yeah. A guard sits in a chair in the hallway, reading a manga. The elevator doors open, and without turning, he tells the delivery boy to leave the food and go. The delivery boy replies in the affirmative from the elevator and leaves, but he has left Daesu in the hallway. He stands behind the man, holding the claw end of the hammer above his head. The man drops the manga and stares at the claw. The two stand in a tableau as a straight line from the hammer to the man's head draws itself in dashes of red. This was like, don't be a yes. square yeah. on Pulp Fiction. <laughs> That's all I thought of. But uh, And again, I don't know what the fuck that is, but I don't care. It's great. It... <laughs> Uh, what for me it it kind of now you saying that it does make it feel a little more not, surreal yeah yeah because it's like okay hammer direction head, head. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like oh he's gonna fuck this dude up yes and i mean it isn't something that comes up a lot yeah but it gives this moment and this scene a lot of character it yes does. and there's already a lot of tension mm-hmm. yes and so it's a very interesting choice but i love it yeah there's something that happens in a few minutes too that i was like i don't know why you did that but i love it, it looks so fucking cool <laughs> But the man's pinky creeps slowly toward the handle of a knife stuck in his boot, making all the noise in the entire world as he tries to pull it free. (laughs) A smile creeps across Daesu's lips. In a room on his laptop and surrounded by screens of security footage, Mr. Park Chul Wung, played by Oh Dalsu, talks on his phone. He tells the person on the other end that they can't do it alone if the person is protected by bodyguards. They would also have to hire people who specialize in that. But if it's for over six months, then they'll bring them in for free. What a deal. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I'm like, oh, you're the one. (laughs) (laughs) Suddenly, the door crashes open and Daesu comes in. Vivaldi plays as he runs his hand along the monitors and we see that they are recording people who are in rooms identical to the one that Daesu was held captive in. 
Desu, dropping the new insult that he just learned, asks Mr. Park why he imprisoned him. So seeing these monitors, mm-hmm. wouldn't that scare you more? Yes. Yeah. You're well aware of everything I was doing. Yep. Yeah. And you and let you me didn't out. Stop me. Yeah. yeah. It's weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> to say the least. No, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's a little weird, right? Isn't it strange? It's kind of odd. <laughs> Mr. Park, who Desu has duct taped to his chair, replies with an explanation that their business spans seven and a half floors and they guard the client's information with their lives. In response to this, Desu pinches between Mr. Park's legs, causing him to scream until Desu shoves a white towel into his mouth. I feel like that. I, I understand he's torturing him. <laughs> but he's oh, like, dude. yoink, don't. <laughs> <laughs> that's wild. Well, that's no. going to fucking hurt. Yeah, well, you're going to fucking tell me what yeah. what the hell this is. I'll tell you exactly what this is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, please. <laughs> you want dude. first and last name yeah. address and their bank account number? <laughs> he wraps him up with more duct tape immobilizing his head but leaving his mouth open Desu looks at the tattooed tallies on his hand before turning it to expose the scars on his wrists from his suicide attempts he vows to pay the man back for each of the 15 years he spent captive and says that with each tooth pulled out Mr. Park will age by one year dude that is uh, something uh-huh. yeah Ooh, man this screenplay yeah <laughs> <laughs> bravo yeah <laughs> he picks up his hammer and grip the um look this is <laughs> this is fucking hard to watch yeah dude i do not like shit with teeth Mm-mm. this bothered me a lot this was beautiful the this music bothered me. The yes. mu- yeah <sighs> And this, I think, is what the composer meant talking about the juxtaposition of classical music in Mm -hmm. these scenes because it's like, and it works, Mm -hmm. you know? And I do want to say that this is one of those times where you feel like you're seeing way more than you are. Yes. Yeah. It's really theater of the mind. I'm, I'm already cringing. <laughs> just thinking of, yeah. of the metal. Ag- uh, uh, I can, yeah. Uh, just get through it. I, <laughs> I don't want to think about it much longer. <laughs> I hate it. <laughs> But he picks up the hammer and he grips one of Mr. Park's front teeth firmly within the claw of it. Mr. Park begins to scream as Desu flexes the hammer and blood begins to pour. We see him as he wrenches a tooth out and drops it on the keyboard along with five others that he's already removed. The white towel is once again in Mr. Park's mouth, but it has been colored a deep red by his blood. So again, all that we really saw was the claw and the tooth. Which mm. is enough. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't too much, actually. Yeah. <laughs> but just a small twist, a little bit of blood. Yes. Cut away. Teeth on the computer. Mm-hmm. A bloody towel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you feel like you've seen every tooth removed. That's all, that's all you yeah. need. I feel like like everything, the music, everything ties it together. To yeah. Where you do feel like you're saying, like we see more than... What we are, but we're not. We didn't see him pull any of them. No, I felt it though. Oh yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But Daisu leans close to his mouth, asking if he's ready to talk now. He takes the towel out and tosses it across the room before snipping away some of the duct tape. The weight of that towel. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Again, just small details. Yeah. We're like, it is filled with blood. And this is what I was talking about the the stylistic thing where I'm like, I don't know why you did that, but I love it. As Mr. Park speaks in a trembling voice, his words are subtitled in red. I don't know. I didn't see his face. I recorded the call. 
We cut to Desu pulling a cookie tin off an office shelf and revealing it to be filled with tapes. He pulls out a tape labeled with the name Odesu. I do also want to point out this continuous use of green and red Mm -hmm. in varying quantities and percentages. Yeah, yeah. The room is so green, but then that red towel on the chair. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's like, it's just, it's so interesting. Mm -hmm. It's gorgeous. Desu steps back into the hallway, a hammer in one hand and in the other, a knife held up to Mr. Park's throat. Mr. Park's eyes are rolled back in his head and his mouth is stuffed with the cloth so bloody that it's gone black. Desu stares ahead calmly at a hallway completely filled with Mr. Park's gang. He asks anyone with an AB blood type to raise their hands. After a moment of silent confusion, a couple of the men do. Desu tosses Mr. Park at them and tells them to hurry because he's lost a lot of blood. They carry him away without incident. This is hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> I it, It's just funny to me because it's like you watched a lot of action films when you were in there, didn't yeah. you? <laughs> <laughs> well, because he's, he's like I'm just an action hero yeah because that's why he is who has AB blood yeah. <laughs> like, god damn well go save your friend exactly yeah. I'm gonna kick his ass later yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be seeing each other and this is we are coming into what is if not the most one of the most iconic scenes in the entire film with good reason mm-hmm. so uh buckle up mm-hmm But without another word, Desu launches himself at the gang. In a jaw-dropping and intricately choreographed one-shot scene, Desu makes his way down the hallway. He is able to take out a couple guys before he is beaten and knocked down to the ground. A group of men swarm him and kick him while he's down, but he regains his footing and bulldozes them away. He quickly loses the upper hand, and when he's knocked onto the ground again, someone stabs him in the back. When he is motionless, the men began to relax, but Desu springs back to life and continues to fight. <laughs> that moment is very funny to me. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, whoo! Yeah. yeah. God, that was close, guys. Oh my God! <laughs> we watch as he struggles with energy and strength, but still manages to defeat every man that comes against him, the knife still sticking out of his back. When the men are finally in a writhing heap on the floor, he stops to catch his breath. He struggles to get to the end of the hall backwards, his hammer raised at anyone brave enough to take another shot at him, but the men can only groan and throw their broken weapons at him. He reaches the end and calls the elevator. We see the hallway filled with the injured men behind him. The elevator dings and Desu's face is transformed by a big smile. The elevator is filled with reinforcements, men who have no idea what's in store for them. The elevator opens onto a garage and the men all fall <laughs> as soon as the doors open. Great. Yeah. Desu stands triumphantly behind them. He drops his weapon as he steps over their bodies and stumbles into the bright sunlight of outdoors. This is amazing. Mm-hmm. I honestly, every single time, I'm more impressed by it than the last time. Yeah. It's so ambitious mm-hmm. and it's so interestingly done. It's so what what gets me is that it's choreographed. Yeah. But it feels so clumsy and real. Yes. That I <laughs> I think for me that's what watching it again, I was like, Oh, they're taking a lot of breaks. I was like, What yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I remembered this just being him nonstop beating the shit out of all of them. Mm-hmm. Just nonstop. And it being the one take of him just whooping everybody's ass 
And then watching it, I was like, oh, they're all huffing and puffing. Well, it, <laughs> it's hard work. No, yeah. no I, I know, but I was like, oh, I don't. You know what I mean? I was like, I remembered this completely wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is great, and I do like. Like you said, it feeling real and clumsy. You know what I mean? You went in there kind of prepared with one weapon. And then it's like, all right, oh, shit. You know what I mean? But you did. You fought your way through everybody. And that is more real because you're you're going to you're. You're going to take a few of them, but then that many people, you're going to get tired. Yeah, yeah, no, he got knocked down. Yeah. He got up again. Chumbawamba. Uh-huh. Oh, fuck. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> that was just disappointment. <laughs> no, but I had learned in that in that featurette that this was supposed to be completely different. Okay. It was going to be about 100 shots that they were going to string together. It was going to be epic and um have wires and a bunch of FX and him like flipping around basically like what you said. Yeah. Like, um, just nuts. Yeah. And there was not going to be any breaks. He was not going to get knocked down. He was not going to be tired. It was mm-hmm. just going to be Desu whooping ass in this hallway. But I think what is most notably changed obviously is that it is one shot yeah and um they had said that they were just going to edit them together but the way that it was storyboarded it was over a hundred and <laughs> in the featurette Choi was saying it was one of those moments where he was like why the fuck did i say anything <laughs> because he thought it would be a better idea that he gets tired because yeah. I mean, this is a lot different than the training that he's been doing alone in this room for the last 15 years. No. Yeah. Um, so it made more sense to him when the idea was brought up that Desu does get tired and he does get knocked down, but he keeps going. Mm-hmm. And, um, then somebody brought up, uh, it was either Park Chan-wook or, um, Choi Min Seek because the way that they were telling the story, they both kind of said that it was them, but um, <laughs> that they do it in one in one shot. Mm-hmm. And Choi agreed to it, and that's when he was like, "What? What was I thinking?" He said it was so difficult. And um, Park Chan Wook though had said that the crew, because him taking on this insane shot, mm-hmm. saved all the rest of the crew so much work in regards to FX to cutting the scenes together to all of that shit. Like he really shouldered all of that. Yeah. So that really for the rest of the time, they respected him so much more because this was so grueling and difficult. And in regards to FX, speaking of which I, I was like, what? But the FX director said that the knife that he stabbed with did not exist. (laughs) <laughs> it, it's cg so Get when, you're, when you're watching him be stabbed and the knife sticking out of his back the entire time it is not real it, and i i obviously i don't think that they stabbed but it's so <laughs> it's so subtle yeah i didn't think twice about it and well, so watching them kind of render it on the computer and make it look it it moves with him and yeah. like it, it's incredible Mm -hmm. well you never know when there's a a sam and bruce thing he's like you know (laughs) we're not even gonna go that deep yeah yeah yeah. it's billy and stew yeah he turns into into stew all of a sudden go ahead go ahead it's fine and he was getting woozy there yeah (laughs) but no yeah i i like i said i did remember it a little more action-packed but i do what 
I'm not, that's not to say that I don't appreciate how it is. Yeah. Because it is, like I said, him getting tired and all that. I was like, okay, this is like you and like you said, the word clumsy. Yeah. It is realistic. And it's like, okay. And and I know that would have been cool, but then if we would have got a malignant scene, we would have been mad. <laughs> yeah. You know what well, I mean? Yeah. I, I did also want to point out, um, I watched this video from Vanity Fair where Park broke down this scene bit by bit. Okay. And he was talking about another aspect of visual effects that you will never guess. Mm -hmm. There were some times that they would throw punches and because, you know, of all the takes, which I'll get to in a minute, that they did, some of them, none of them are perfect. Yeah. But they picked the best one. They were able to accentuate the, quote, best one, unquote, with visual effects. Whenever they have people that are falling down that weren't punched, they digitally extended Choi's arm. Shut <laughs> Yeah. To make it look like the punch connects. That's great. Never would I guess this. <laughs> yeah. No, because that all. could Not so yeah. easily look like you're the Fantastic Four. <laughs> I, <laughs> I thought you were going to say how many people really got punched by like trying to do this all. You know what I mean? Because yeah, yeah, yeah. they are all in that hallway and they're like falling over each other. Mm -hmm. So I would even believe that them getting hurt doing this. So oh, for times. sure. Yeah. Uh, I also wanted to point out the guy that is shirtless with the back tattoo. Yeah. That is Hyomung Hang, who was the stunt leader for the film. He actually choreographed this scene. Nice. Oh, nice. So he got a little part in it, too. Oh, yeah. yeah. What a badass. But Park was saying that the exhaustion obviously was real. Oh, I bet. And what happened was they filmed this. It took 15 takes oh my God. over the course of two days. And Chung Hoon Chung was talking about the misdirection at the beginning because the first shot is very dynamic and handheld. Mm -hmm. And then we're flat. Yeah. And just a tracking shot through the whole thing. And so that was part of, again, we talked about Park wanting to kind of misdirect the audience. Yeah. And not trick them, but kind of give them something they aren't expecting, which this is not expected at all. No. Not at all. But he had said that the reason that they did it over two days, because everyone's like, really? Like 15 <laughs> takes? <laughs> the reason is, and the quote that he gave in an article was... That kind of lonely, helpless movement cannot be performed. And so he had them do it so many times so that oh the last take, the last one yeah. is the best one because this shows how tired they're he is. Yeah, they're real. Yeah. And yeah. you see it. And all of it is real. Him leaning against the wall. That's not uh, Desu. No. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that really feeds right into something that he said in that featurette because he said, they say a director gets pleasure from torturing their stars and that the bigger the star is, yeah. the more pleasure they get. <laughs> mm -hmm. And he said, quote, this was very pleasurable for me. <laughs> oh my God, dude. <laughs> I was like, well, God poor damn. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, I mean, again, we talk about it a lot. It's brilliant what came it's out. It's brilliant. And we, what we were talking about earlier with the schedule that they're already on. Yeah. I cannot imagine. Like, no wonder he's fucking falling asleep on set. Yeah. yeah I can't imagine. It's like, I just want 15 takes straight. Yeah. <laughs> wild. But this, this is also so good that it's in other places yes. it goes and it's influenced everywhere mm -hmm. i remember seeing the episode of uh daredevil when they did this right mm -hmm. and i think the director for that was alex garcia lopez he did that fight scene and in an interview he did that i read it was on film.com 
And he said that this was an inspiration and it helped them using the hallway scene the way they did. It's not exactly one for one, but it is kind of the same idea. Mm -hmm. He said that it helped them open it to doing the way they wanted to do the story, uh, the fight scene like that, instead of trying to do it, I guess, with cuts and making it look... Because uh, it's it's Daredevil's great if you haven't seen it. But I mean, <laughs> that, that whole little scene made me feel just like I was watching Old Boy. Mm-hmm. And I was like, hey, I know this. But he said that he wanted it be, to do it in that style because he was like, it's perfect. It fits in what we're trying to do at the time in the story. And it is perfect. Yeah. I, I remember there was an episode, I want to say season four of Preacher. Okay. Where they did. Yes. Yeah. yes. This as well. Yeah. yeah. And it's just so interesting to see. I mean, I know it's 20 years. Yeah. The far reaching influence. Yeah. Of this. And it's such an incredible moment to pay homage to because watching this for the first time man i'm like i can't fucking believe that like yeah. <laughs> it's it's incredible something about one shot scenes i think of that scene in the first um season of true detective oh man where i felt physically ill i was like i'm gonna fucking throw up like yeah it, it's something about it it's so immersive and this is just executed perfectly yeah and we you you say it a lot when on always sunny what is it charlie work? yes oh, that man. is that's, one of my favorite episodes you, because you've of that said that every time we've watched it your sister's like oh that's one of my favorite episodes i'm like, this is like brilliant, i love, this yeah, brilliant. I love it <laughs> i think there i think it speaks to parks what he's what he's focusing on as far as action scenes are concerned yeah he did this interview where he was talking about one of his previous films I think it's called Joint Security Access. Okay. But there's an action scene in it. And he hates, he said, I hate action scenes. <laughs> he goes, I hate watching them. I hate directing them. Yeah. And so whenever he was making that film, he even asked the studio, he goes, can somebody come in and direct the scene for me? Yeah. And then I'll just do everything else. <laughs> wow. And they refused. And so what he had to do back then, he goes, well, what is the focus? Why are these people fighting? Yeah. And that's what he's focusing on with that. Uh. And so his intention here was to say, why is he doing this? So it's more emotion than just like choreographed. And I I think that that is the the thing for me, because I tell John Paul all the time, if an action scene is kind of too much my eyes just glaze over and i'm kind of not paying attention anymore mm-hmm. so i feel like i am somebody who appreciates things like choreography and it's you know because even and i i like the uh marvel movies but sometimes yeah. i'm like this is the, it's getting there i'll tell them it's getting to the point i'm not even looking at anything anymore but the story but the, yeah. <laughs> it's like can they just start talking again yeah. but um no, this is the, it's it's things like this where it is executed so beautifully and so I mean I just I can't say enough about it. I know that we've already talked about the scene for but probably too long, but it's just it's so incredible. I think this scene deserves a segment. Yeah. So. <laughs> no, Fair no. enough. Before we do move on though, I wanted to talk about the score that is playing here. And uh they said that it was the first piece of music that they wrote mm. and it's called The Old Boy. And okay. this is um, Desu's theme, and they wanted it to convey chaos and loneliness. And it's kind of repurposed in other parts of the film. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they said that when um, he is fighting the cigarette thugs, when he first gets out, it's another version of this. Okay. <laughs> so it's like, this is his, like, you know. Yeah. And yeah. It, it's very interesting because, um, again, when Park Chan-wook and... 
Cho Young-wook were going back and forth about <laughs> very nitpicky things about the music. <laughs> there was almost no music here at all. Okay. Oh, wow. That would have been... And yeah. I think that would have been very interesting to see but i think that his theme playing here it just fucking it is just it's perfect like we were saying yeah. earlier this is cinema it's like this <laughs> is this now that's a fucking movie that's what it feels like i was gonna quote i'm gonna get you sucker and say every good hero needs a theme song but is he really our <laughs> hero <There's anybody>? <laughs> what, what's a hero yeah. you know <laughs> i i do also want to talk about that moment in the elevator yeah yes because that moment is so hilarious it yeah is. it is park had said that they actually scripted and planned to show the fight in the elevator oh, yeah man. but he decided that it was enough what happened in the hallway yeah and it feels perfect because you don't need to know yeah and just it i think that this speaks to the dark humor that we talked about where he just steps out and it's just it yeah, yeah. And you like you don't need to see it to know not at all it's like especially like you said after everything that we were we've been through in the hallway he'll be fine yeah. like <laughs> <laughs> but even that like we don't need to hear them banging like we didn't hear none of that no, no. i feel like just the way it was like you said is perfect yeah but but back to the film <laughs> <laughs> Walking along with a crowd on the street, sweaty and streaked with blood, Desu's voiceover laments that it's yet another day that he can't get by quietly. He adjusts his suit, gaining quiet attention from passerbys, and he realizes that he's become a monster now. He wonders, when his vengeance is over, can he go back to being the old Desu? Do you want to be the old Desu? I mean, we met him. Yeah. <laughs> he wasn't like great no he was pretty obnoxious <laughs> yeah <laughs> when he tries to use a crosswalk he collapses a man rushes over to him concerned with the amount of blood and asks if he's okay he stops a taxi and settles desu into the back seat the man hands the driver cash through the window and instructs the driver to take desu to building eight of the seiwoon apartments red flag <laughs> yeah he asks the driver to take care of him Desu mutters out a weak thank you, and the man, the top of his face obscured by his hat and by the car door, smiles at him brightly and tells him, not at all. <laughs> it's not until he leans into the back window that we see the face of Lee Woo Jin, played by Yu Ji Tae. He leans in close as he shuts the door and with a quick smile says, farewell, O oh Desu. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> i can't take anymore no i i was like is the whole city against this dude god damn i was like what the fuck <laughs> they're all like i know it's like the truman show but yeah like <laughs> he slides out of the window and the car pulls away before desu can do or say anything else um this is a lot mm -hmm. the way that he leans in gives me chills every time i see it it mm. is so I don't know why it's so scary, but it is to me. I feel like it's almost cartoonish evil because it like he leans in and yes. it kind of comes in. Because uh -huh. you, you yeah. feel like you're in Desu's position yeah. and he's like, whoop. Like, yeah. it's like, ah! <laughs> well, but <laughs> there's this there's that feeling of him just being like, I know something you don't know. Yes. And it's just this he it's it's glee, but it's also horror. Yeah. Because it is the biggest <laughs> smile. Yeah. Like, yeah. Before you see his whole face and he's like, oh, not at all. I was like, oh, my God. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Get the fuck out of there, dude. Um. I just had a couple things here that um, 
Choi had suggested UJTA for this role. Mm. And Park Chan-wook said that he asked questions about literally everything and that it was so kind of different to work with somebody so young but so serious <laughs> in that featurette they were asking him they were like everybody says that you're very serious and that you take you know what you're doing very seriously and he was like i don't think i'm that serious he's like when we went to karaoke i sang <laughs> <laughs> it's like so it can't be All right, I get, so yeah. shut the fuck up like <laughs> <laughs> <The> next question <laughs> but gong hai jong me do had mm-hmm. said that on the streets of Busan when they were filming outside, people were going crazy for him and for Choi min Seek. that it was delaying their progress because people were so excited to see them. If I'm not mistaken, Wu was a model as well. So oh, he had a pretty sure. big fan base going into this too. I mean, <laughs> okay, I can see yeah. it. Yeah. And I know we'll talk about it later, but there's a 14-year age difference between you and Choi. Oh, damn. And you see it, but... It also works because of everything that Desu has been through. Yeah. Yeah. But it's it's fascinating because they, they had talked about it on a featurette as well where they said that people would notice this. And Park was like, think about it. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's pretty clear why. Yeah. It, it yeah. definitely works. I feel like even things like that where you're like, nah, it, there's an answer for it. Yeah. yeah. There's something later on that happens with the character's hair that I was like, when did you? And then I think, and I'm like, oh, you did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, talk, we'll talk about that. Um, it was interesting too because the makeup artist said that the makeup that they did for Choi Min Seek, they tried to make his nose kind of flatter and broader and make his face a little more because she was like you'll notice his nose is bigger in old boy than it is in any of his films because they wanted them to look so different they wanted Wu Jin to have the longer and sharper features and Desu's to be broader and flatter um Desu obviously has the hair yeah uh Wu Jin's is very slicked back and tamed like just looking at them, there's such a juxtaposition. And to hear them talk about it, and it's like, oh, everything that we are seeing mm-hmm. was planned and calculated. Like, yeah. I just appreciate that so much. And the the score that's playing here is called Look Back in Anger. And the use of it here is so brilliant because this played during part of the imprisonment. Mm. Oh, okay. So we're invoking these feelings again subconsciously without yeah, you know yeah. because it's a, and that's part of it the music as he's like leaning in it's just it's so it's just so <laughs> chilling. <laughs> but Desu wakes up in Midu's bed. He is bandaged and bruised and next to the bed he finds bloody gauze and bandages. Midu is passed out on the floor with scissors in her hand. He takes them away and finds a purple cloth next to her. He spreads the cloth and raises it. And it's like there's like a maze mm-hmm. pattern on it. But he gets a look at it in the light as someone outside the window snaps photos of him. Finally, he puts the tape that he found at Mr. Park's in the player. Mr. Park's voice says, a bastard you hate but wouldn't want to kill. A bitch you detest but want more than to kill. We'll take care of them. Hmm. This establishment is horrific. How do you get like business, like clear? Word of mouth. (laughs) Word of mouth. (laughs) Advertising is difficult. And I didn't until the end kind of what they're this little thing. I was just like, all right, you just really don't like this guy. (laughs) But but no, it means something. Yes. 
And I will say I was also surprised to see him go back to Midu's apartment that quickly because the last time they spoke, he was like, I can't trust you. Yeah. Yeah. And then he's gone. <laughs> She's like, well, better bandage him up. Yeah. But again, yeah. these motivations that now you're like, why the fuck would she even do that? Later, it's like, oh. Mm. But on the tape, Wu Jin's voice asks if the person will go mad from being locked up for so long. But Mr. Park assures him that if he doesn't want him to go mad, they can just administer some medication, which is wild because he's like, well, I mean, if you want him to, we can. (laughs) (laughs) He says that they use something called the Risperdal solution, a known treatment for schizophrenia. He starts to ask how long he wants the person held for. But Wu Jin answers swiftly. 15 years. Mr. Park is taken aback, asking what he could have done wrong to warrant 15 years. Wu Jin says that Odei Su talks too much. Mm. Just rough me up then, dude. Don't no. put me Beat away. My yeah, <laughs> yeah. That, then that just means I got a smart mouth. Go ahead and teach me a lesson. Don't lock me up for 15 years in some apartments I don't want to be in. Some apartments. <laughs> well, I'm just saying, don't do me like that, man. I just think that what's so wild is Mr. Park's like, no, we'll be in business in 15 years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, we can keep track of that. That's the fine. Demand. <laughs> don't even worry about Mm-mm. it. Outside, the person with the camera zooms in on Daesu, commenting that Daesu needs to go to sleep and that tomorrow it's about time he visited Ju Hwan's internet cafe. So the next day he does. Ju Hwan sits behind the desk eating and tells Daesu to sit wherever he likes without even glancing his way. I will say there's something about actors eating that is hilarious <laughs> to me. <laughs> he is putting way too much into that ramen. <laughs> Maybe it's really it's good. good. Right? It looks good. <laughs> <laughs> he looks over though when Daesu says his name and we immediately cut to them hugging as Juhan cries. Imagine your friend went missing for 15 years. Mm-hmm. It's honestly a very very touching reunion. Yeah. yeah. Because and honestly it was I would feel responsible it was on my watch. Yeah, yeah. That's true. And not only that all the shit that happened. Yeah. 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 He's like, "Did you really do that?" <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Am I hugging a killer right now? <laughs> Well, you got to ask why you're hugging because you're <laughs> holding him already. That's true. <laughs> Help! <laughs> but Daesu is expressionless as his friend squeezes him and clings to him. Later, he plays the tape for Juhan, ending it when Wu Jin says that Daesu talks too much. He asks his friend if he's ever heard the voice before or if he knows who could possibly hate him so much. Juhan takes a thoughtful drag on his cigarette before quipping that he doesn't know all 260 names of his women's husbands. Wow. I was like, day soon. Yeah. <laughs> and he's married. He was married too. He was. Yeah. See, and that Trifling. line. Of, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that line leads to a theory that I had that quickly gets dashed. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because it seems like a throwaway. Again, that's what is so good about this mystery in this film. Yeah. yeah. Is that there are so many different avenues it could go down. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, and you're I, not. No. no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say, you will never guess. <laughs> they get onto a computer and Daesu logs into the chat site that Midu was using, using the screen name Monster. Midu pops up as a contact. And when Juhan asks who she is, Daesu says she's a girl that cries over nothing. As Juhan takes over the keyboard, Daesu lowers his eyes and asks his friend if he really did talk that much. Juhan replies that the way he sees it, he needs to look for the perpetrator in the people that he used to be close to. 
Juhan tries to search for Evergreen, the guy that Midu was talking to, mm-hmm. but over 50 search results pop up. Before anyone can react to this, they're sent a friend request from Evergreen, which is horrifying because they just logged on. Mm-hmm. It, it Again, where with him finding him in the street and putting him in the taxi, you're like, this dude is connected. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And for him to be like, I'm, they're searching for me. I'm, uh-huh. <laughs> I'll make it easy. <laughs> And I did want to say I know that purple is going to be associated with this character. Yeah. But the fact that his name online is Evergreen and we've seen just this prevalent green in the color palette. Mm-hmm. It's like he has his hand in everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's everywhere. Mm-hmm. It's very fascinating. But they accept the request and receive a message. Congratulations. As of yesterday, statute of limitations has expired for the murder suspect, Odesu. And I meant to look that up. Oh, wow. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. Yeah. But I was very busy doing other things. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, interesting, a yeah. statute of limitations for murder. Yeah, I didn't think that that was a thing. I, I mean, it it's was not like, here. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. And it was also 2003. Who knows? That's oh, true, yeah. too. Yeah. But it also seems very like you planned everything because you framed him for this murder, but you're releasing him at a point where he's not... Like, he's still yours. The police are not after him. Mm-hmm. So, that I mean, it, it's all, ugh, it's a lot. So, thank you, kind of. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> thank you, but also, like, fuck you, though. Yeah. <laughs> it's like 70% fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> the little dash. A little sprinkle of thank you. In a lavish penthouse, we see Wu Jin dictating the message to Mr. Han, played by Kim Byung-ok, who types it out. He tells him, like a gazelle from the hand of the hunter, like a bird from the snare of the fowler, free yourself. We glide across the table, past a pair of menacing-looking scissors, where Wu Jin is placing down a snapshot of Daesu walking down the street with Midu beside him. Again, innocuous. Mm-hmm. Very sly. Oh yeah, Bowie. <laughs> Elsewhere, we cut to Midu, tied up and restrained. She struggles and screams as someone presses their hand against her face and calmly demands to know who she is. The camera pans up to see that it is Daesu restraining her. His voiceover confesses that when he was locked up, he promised he wouldn't trust anyone if he got out. He devised a plan that if he were to find anyone suspicious, he would create a secret for only him and that person to know. Now, he tells me do that he created the ID monster to trap her, pointing out how strange it is for her to have brought a complete stranger home. He asks again, who are you? In response, Midu bites down hard on Desu's hand, but this garners no response. He only calmly asks who Evergreen is. He's like, I don't feel that hand anymore. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's gone. Yeah, that's out. <laughs> His phone rings, and when he answers, Juhan reports that he found Evergreen's personal details. When he tells Daesu to get something to jot it down, he scrawls it across Midu's stomach and lipstick. Juhan gives him the name Su Deo, but Daesu freezes when Juhan gives him the address. Sewoon Apartments, Building 7, Unit 407. Now, if you remember, <laughs> those are Midu's apartments. Indeed. Yeah. Daesu stares out the window at the building directly across from Midu's. He flies down the apartment steps outside and his voiceover tells us that he is not doing fine in this life in a bigger prison. 
Daesu lets himself into the unit across the way. The floor is littered with trash, and when Daesu tries the light switch by the door, it doesn't work. Nevertheless, he steps into the living room and finds himself face to face with Evergreen, Wu Jin. To me, I found it so fascinating that they're going about the mystery this way, Mm -hmm. that we're seeing who is responsible. Yeah. Yeah. It's not this third act grand reveal that he steps out of a curtain. Yes. And it's like, oh, it's Daesu's father. (laughs) You know, it's just very, very fascinating because then it continues this mystery of why. Yeah. Yes. That is it. That that is interesting to think because I, I don't think I've seen that done uh, too many times like that. Like, look, I'm gonna tell you who I am, but it's up to you. I mean, I know Saul kind of or Jig, you know, they kind of do that. It's like, look, I'm Billy or whatever, <laughs> and then he's, I'm know, Billy. <laughs> Well, whatever, <laughs> fucking John Kramer McLean or whatever, <laughs> whatever his name is. Uh, I'm Billy. Yeah, yeah, Billy. There you go. We like him. Better. Yeah, <laughs> he has a cool tricep. Yeah, but this is this is good and effective for that. Hey, this is who I am. Now you need to figure out why I'm upset. Mm-hmm. What did you do? I feel like, and I don't know if I'm immediately drawing this parallel because um, it also stars Troy Minseek, but... I know. I saw the devil. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> also had something happen very, very early on that I was not expecting to happen until the very end. Yeah. And so it really throws you off kilter because it changes what you think that this movie is. Mm-hmm. And I felt that same way with I Saw the Devil because mm. it's like, okay, so... This is not, this movie is not you hunting down whoever Green is or he's right there. Yeah. (laughs) And we got a lot of movie left. Honestly, if he were to rush into this unit and he goes and he sees them there, this realistically and normally would be the last 10 minutes of the film. Absolutely. And we do have a lot to go. Yeah. Yeah. Wu Jin tells him, who are you? mockingly before laughing and presuming that that's what Daesu was about to say. As Mr. Han stands beside him stoically, Wu Jin tells Daesu that he's got to figure this out on his own. First, who? And then, why? He invites him to come back and see him once he's found these things out. But then he tells him that he's only got until July 5th. (laughs) That was surprising. (laughs) Yeah! I saw in a video, like I said, um, this is based off of an eight volume manga Mm -hmm. and the time limit is not imposed until volume eight of the manga. So I was like, that's why. (laughs) (laughs) After consulting his watch, he tells Daisu regretfully that he's only got five days left. He asks if that's too short, but offers the consolation prize of taking his own life instead of me dues if Daisu is able to pull it off. Daesu has been coming forward slowly, but stops in his tracks at the mention of Midu's name. Wujin continues that he plans to kill every woman that Daesu loves for the rest of his life because he's notorious for not being able to protect them. I was like, what? Yeah. With a roar, Daesu closes the gap between himself and Wujin and grabs him by the throat. With his other hand, he raises a knife to Mr. Han, who just grabs him by his wrist. Wu Jin waves Mr. Han away, and with his voice strained against Daesu's grip, he commends him on his strength. He calls him Mr. Monster and marvels that he truly is a monster of his creation. That was supposed to be their little secret. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> I, I when he grabbed him, I was like, oh, old boy's he's tired. He's like, I'm not fucking around no more. Dude. Yeah, yeah. And then when he waved his like bodyguard off, I was like, oh, he's not worried. Not at like, all. Yeah. He's I was like, not gonna. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, not at all. Daesu has pressed his knife against Wu Jin's throat as well. And Wu Jin reminds him that if he does this, he's never going to figure out the why. The question that's bugged him for the last 15 years. He asks him if he really doesn't care anymore. Which this would like piss me off. Oh, yeah. yeah. Because you know I care. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I never stopped caring. You know I'm not going to kill you. <laughs> this is enough for Daesu to release him and walk away. Wujin takes a seat, and when Daesu comes back, he has a hammer in his hand. Referring to what Daesu did to Mr. Park, he assumes that Daesu means to dabble in a little more dental torture. But opening his shirt and revealing a vertical scar along his chest, Wujin breaks the news that Daesu wouldn't have time to torture him. He has a weak heart and had to have a motor put in. He tells Daesu with a grin that when he had this done, he told the doctor to give him a remote control so that he can switch the motor off to easily end his life whenever he wants. The doctor was able to accommodate this for an extra $100,000. First, do no harm. <laughs> He's like, shit, okay. Yeah, $100,000? That's wild, dude. All right. And you press this button here? Yeah. <laughs> But the device, in all fairness, you're just trying to wipe my memory. That's no, not going yeah. that, to kill you. No. <laughs> Daesu brings the hammer closer to Wu Jin's face, but Wu Jin just holds up his remote, which does look suspiciously like the memory eraser from Men in Black. Mm -hmm. He slides it open and presents Daesu with his conundrum. He can kill him right away, but he won't find out why he was locked up. He wants to torture him, but then Wu Jin will just end his own life. He puts it plainly. Does Daesu want to get his revenge or does he want to find out the reason? He strokes the switch with his thumb absently as he speaks. He stands next to Daesu and tells him that he watched him for 15 years and that he was never bored or lonely. As he walks back toward the door, he invites Daesu to try revenge, as it's the best cure for those who have been hurt. He dramatically and mockingly mourns the loss of Daesu's 15 years, the pain of losing his wife and daughter. It would make it all go away. He tells him that vengeance is healthy, but he can't help but wonder what happens when it's been fulfilled. That is such an important theme of this film. Mm-hmm. But he joins Mr. Han in the doorway, speaking over his shoulder at Daesu as he ventures to guess that he thinks that hidden pain would probably just come back again. He knocks on the door and tells Daesu, long time no see, before strutting away, leaving Mr. Han to close the door behind him as he follows. Daesu stands alone in the apartment, staring at nothing. After a moment, <laughs> this didn't make me laugh because he comes back. Yeah. <laughs> You're still here? <laughs> <laughs> Wu Jin opens the door and leans into the room, asking, hasn't Daesu left me do tied up for too long, especially when he also left the door open? Then he just closes the door again. Just a couple things <laughs> <laughs> before we go back to me do um, this again. Uh, they the production designer said that they purposefully put more of those honeycomb patterns on the walls of this apartment to kind of invoke that feeling of his imprisonment. Okay. But like you were saying about them asking every uh, actor what the hardest scene for them to film was, Yu Jitae said that this was his. 
And the reason was so interesting. He said that he wanted it to sound like Wu Jin was acting, that he had practiced this a thousand times while Daesu was gone. Mm-hmm. And now he finally has his moment to to do it. Yeah. But I think that that is once you once you understand that inspiration and that motivation for the character you see it when he speaks Mm -hmm. this is very this is a thin veil over something very dark and very bleak of him putting on the show and smiling and i mean it is it's 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 an incredible performance yeah Mm -hmm. and it's the monologue that he's been practicing for 15 years oh yeah waiting for this exact moment yes Mm -hmm. And I want to give a shout out to Mr. Han <laughs> because they're, they they talked about it on a featurette how really this character should just fade into the background. Yeah. But there is something in this silent performance. Yeah. He says very little. Yeah. But he's enough to have this much of a presence every scene that he's in. Well, yeah, because he looks like he's going to kick your ass. If he yeah. He does. <laughs> he, he, does. Wrong. He, will. he will. He just looks mean. Like He's like, I'm here for this. That's <laughs> it. I don't need to say anything. They were asking the cast who like the most unsung kind of side characters were. And Gong Hai John had said that she thought it was the the man on the roof because of the way that they had to suspend him and stuff. And she said he had to wait because that's one of the last things that they filmed. And so he was kind of waiting by himself. He didn't get to really interact with any of the other actors besides Choi Min-seek. But Choi Min-seek said that for him, it was Mr. Han. Because of that, the presence that he gives a character that really doesn't speak a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and he also said that they bleached his hair so much that it was starting to fall out. Oh, oh wow. <laughs> God damn, that's commitment to the craft. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but something very interesting that I thought you guys would uh, love because I loved it. But Cho Sang Young, the costume designer, said that sh- her inspiration for Wu Jin's clothing was Patrick Bateman from American Psycho. <laughs> that's perfect. It is yeah. so spot on <laughs> yeah. that that's the vibe that she wanted to give. You can, a- I mean, absolutely, especially yeah. later on when he's in like his oh, suit yeah. and everything. Mm-hmm. Very, very much Patrick Bateman. And we talked on our American Psycho episode about how a lot of it felt like a veneer for him, too. Yeah. Absolutely. So, I mean, that's interesting. And she had said that something that I never even would have picked up on, but the suits that were given to Daesu, it's the same cut and same brand of suit that Wu Jin wears. Huh. Because to him, this is what I wear. This is what everyone wears. Yeah. So I was like, that is so much attention to detail. Yeah. They're very classy. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) They both look great. Yeah. (laughs) But we hear Midu scream as Daesu runs back up the outside stairs to her apartment. It's night now. And again, the, the situation obviously is not funny, but this is funny watching him sprint away in the yeah. daytime and then sprint back in the night. It, there's something very funny about that. Yeah. And I feel like it's the same static shot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but he kicks the door down and inside he finds Midu tied up, her shirt opened to expose her breasts and a man standing next to her with a knife. She asks him to save her. Daisu is dropped down to his knees, surrounded by the members of Mr. Park's gang. Then a chair is set in front of him and singing Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, Mr. Park sits in front of him, smiling brightly to reveal a mouthful of new gold teeth. I was like, this motherfucker wow. <laughs> He's tenacious. <laughs> I'm never, I'm, I'll take the L. Yeah. I'm never looking at you again. 
You took my teeth. You took my teeth and my team. And my yeah, team. No, yeah. So you're good. <laughs> well, he's got the money to buy more. <laughs> yeah, obviously. And then we'll never speak of this yeah, again. Yeah. <laughs> he tucks the business card into the pocket of Desu's jacket, telling him that this dentist is really good. The members of the gang hold Desu's head in place as Mr. Park takes out a tool to hold his mouth open. He then takes the claw end of a hammer and wrenches around inside Desu's mouth. Midu screams and averts her eyes. I was cringing, full body cringing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I mean, you know, this is what you did. So Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta, you you gotta accept the same it. Thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You've gotta accept it. I mean, yeah, dude. <laughs> Fuck, I shouldn't have shouldn't have taken all those teeth. <laughs> a look of confusion crosses Desu's face, and Mr. Park dabs his mouth with a cloth, telling him that they say that cowardice comes from imagination. So try not to imagine, and it will make you fucking brave. I can confirm that cowardice comes from imagination. <laughs> I've lived my entire life this tracks, way. Yeah, that tracks. <laughs> he warns Desu that now here comes the real thing. Frantic music mounts as Mr. Park leans in, but he becomes very disturbed and leans back when Desu begins laughing maniacally and hissing at him. As he does, he smoothly starts to remove his own weapon from his sleeve behind his back. But everything stops when Mr. Park's phone rings. He answers it, thanking the person on the other end for telling him about this place, but lamenting that he hasn't even started yet. Suddenly, Mr. Han appears at the door with the briefcase full of cash. Mr. Park and his gang look it over, and after a heavy moment of consideration, Mr. Park calmly says, Let's go. They start to leave, but unsatisfied, Mr. Park picks up a bat and hits Daesu, knocking him to the ground. He then tells his gang, let's really go. (laughs) I thought it'd be funny if Mr. Han took some of the money out. (laughs) He's like, no, no. Right now. Yeah, that was worth (laughs) $40,000. But I mean, if you're going to get away with it, he took your fucking teeth. Man, yeah. Yeah, let me, that would yeah. be hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> they start to strut out, but Desu calls out weakly from the floor. Let's fight. Mr. Park tries to laugh this off, calling him tenacious, but bleeding and still unable to bring himself to his feet. Desu promises to cut his hand off for touching Midu's breasts. I did think it was funny how Mr. Park, when he had uh, the hammer the first time mm-hmm. to Desu, and he was like, when he tells him about the imagination, yeah. he pretends to pull the fucking uh-huh. tooth out, and then he's like, oh no, here it comes for real. That's just... Yeah. But he's an asshole. Uh, clearly. Yeah, yeah, he's terrible. <laughs> and he says a really disgusting line about his tongue. Yeah. yeah. I was I, like, oh my God, dude. Just I, get the fuck out. Yeah. <laughs> Take your briefcase full of money and get the fuck out. I was wondering what this note was for, but at the end of the scene, I just wrote, you rat bastard. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's what I it was for. That. <laughs> but Desu brings himself to his feet and launches himself at the men, only to be kicked back down to the ground. The gang leaves Midu tied up against the wall and Desu writhing on the floor. Midu yells at him, calling him a rotten bastard and asking if he still doesn't trust her. Yeah, maybe you should have asked before the tying up and the yelling and the like, just be like, look, Midu, some shit's, what the fuck's going on? I mean, on? but it did not look good. I'm not saying it, tie her up, it, but I'm <laughs> saying maybe don't go back to her apartment. It didn't, but <laughs> well, the, she's helping you. But she the, helped yeah. you. I'm sorry, but the webcam thing was pretty bad. It was, it was, it was, oh, <laughs> him? Oh, I talked to him every day. <laughs> 
for the last it 15 w- years, actually. <laughs> it was. But exactly for 15 years. <laughs> Maybe ask a little more. You've been talking to this person this whole time. What's their name? Do you really know who this is? Mm-hmm. Yeah. He was like, oh, I'm going to fucking cut your eyes out. <laughs> yeah, like, but she's no, like, he- and he's very interested in you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it did look bad. It, did. it, it looked very bad. <laughs> which wait, which dumpling restaurant did you say you yeah. to? <laughs> I just want to tell. I just want to pop on real quick to tell Evergreen. <laughs> he really wanted to yeah, know. Yeah, it was weird. But Wu Jin and Mr. Han enter his building, the Maxim, being trailed by a business associate who updates them on facts and percentages. We cut to Daesu and Midu in a car. Midu sobs as Daesu drives until she asks if they really said that they were going to kill her. Daesu's honest answer in the affirmative only makes her cry harder, but she asks for further clarification. Because I'm a woman you love? Daesu ignores this until Midu calls his name again. When he asks her what, she begins to sing the face I miss, their secret signal, time to get it in. Get it in. (laughs) Daesu looks over at her. Well, it, let's not go the thinner route. Yeah, let's get somewhere first. Yeah, let's- <laughs> I just, and again, I wrote down because, you know, because I'm a woman you love situation. Yeah. Again, I was like, this is, you, you've been very roller coastery this yeah. entire yeah. thing. Yeah. And really, you're going to say that you're in love. Mm-hmm. And I, again, I'm having all these Complaining, questions. Yeah. But later on, mm-hmm. everything's explained. We uh, talk about that a lot of these kind of relationships that feel forced because they move so quickly and yeah i mean everything that you want to open your mouth and complain about Mm -hmm. it's like just hold on a second yeah (laughs) just wait (laughs) in the penthouse wujin showers and mr han looks confused at midu's emotional and wavering singing as it echoes through the room they're bugged yeah. Oh, yeah. And I, I gotta say, I was like, "Is did did he eat? Was one of <laughs> one of the dumplings have a bug in it?" Yeah. Like, I was like, "How did they?" <laughs> what is this going was on? a little confusing. Yeah. yeah. Or maybe the car they're in. I was so right. confused. Yeah. Midu's voice finishes her song as Wu Jin lies on a table and has his heart inspected by a doctor with a stethoscope. He's like, I really shouldn't have given you that button. Yeah. <laughs> Please don't tell anyone that I did that. I could lose my license. Especially anyone you have like any kind of revenge towards. Yeah, yeah for sure. Don't tell Don't them. tell anyone. Mr. Han comes over to report that Daesu and Midu got a rental car, packed up, and left. Midu even quit her job at the restaurant. Wujin tells him that they'll leave when this is done. He presses a button on a remote that lowers the light and plays footage of Daesu sitting restlessly in a chair. I'm like, so you just watch this for fun? Yeah. Yeah, it's his favorite thing, man. (laughs) (laughs) All right. He did say I was never bored or lonely watching you for 50. It's like a comfort show. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I rewatch Mad Men all the time. I was going to say it's like The Simpsons for him. (laughs) (laughs) I fall asleep to it. (laughs) He advises Mr. Han to get some rest because he's got insomnia. He asks gently if he really thinks that Midu has fallen in love with Daesu already. We see her looking over at him in the car, her face streaked with tears. A digital calendar clicks the date from June 30th to July 1st. Midu and Daesu walk down a hotel hallway. The hotel is bathed in red light, technically making Old Boy a Giallo film. God damn it. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, we're going to breeze right past that. <laughs> All I wanted to say is that in the hotel, when it's so bathed in red, mm-hmm. there is a small green light. Mm. Oh, okay. And I'm like, 
everywhere. Yeah. yeah. Once in the hotel room, they show each other the flesh in an extended sex scene because if there is one thing that Park Chan-wook does not shy away from, it's extended sex scenes. I think he likes fucking. I think he might. Yeah. Yeah. What's next? (laughs) (laughs) They're always very well done, though. They are. Like, that's something I think the first time I watched Thirst, I was like, this is actually, like, beautiful instead of just, like, you know. I mean, it's still horny. What you usually get in the horror beautifully horny. Beautifully horny, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's one of those things where it's, like, uh, passion. Yeah. Yeah. It's not just, you know, because a lot of American sex Mm -hmm. scenes, it's very, like, uh, they're trying to... (laughs) Yeah, I mean, there's no more plot, right? Nah, nobody's coming to fix the plumbing. Well, I mean, they're coming. Not broken. Oh, come wow. off it, man. That's, <laughs> come on, that's <laughs> it's a family show. <laughs> I was just trying to say <laughs> that it, cut it out. What I'm saying is that in American sex scenes, it's very gratuitous. Yes, a right. lot of the time. Yes, and this, it's more about the art of it. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so defeated. Well, because you guys are gross. <laughs> we were saying it was beautiful. Yeah, and then you said something about fluids. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Me Do becomes more comfortable telling Daesu that she only wants to be good to him. And she is. After they finish, she covers his face with kisses and he tells her not to worry about the future. They sit on the floor in front of the TV and Midu smiles as Desu gently and lovingly uses a dryer on her hair. His voiceover tells us that he's thankful for the 15 years that he spent locked away because he wonders if he were still his old self, would Midu have liked him this way? This is like the blow drying of the hair. That whole scene was very touching. Mm -hmm. It was very sweet because I don't we've never seen him that way before. No. But and that's very, for me anyway, that's very intimate. Very, mm-hmm. yes. We've mostly just seen him punching walls and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Pulling so, teeth out. Yeah, yeah. fighting gangs, yeah. you know? Bloody rags. Yeah. <laughs> so it was quite nice. <laughs> um, Choi had said that this was the hardest scene for him because he only wanted to be respectful and he just felt very awkward and unsure of anything that he was doing. But he said that Gong Hai Jung was... was completely unbothered um yeah so she was very comfortable um and i i wanted to point out this score that is playing here is me do's theme it's called the last waltz okay um they wanted it to be cute and mythical and almost like a lullaby Park Chan Wook said. Interesting. Very. I would add that it is a little whimsical. Yes. I feel like in because there's a lot of bleakness to this film. There's a lot of darkness and bleakness that we've already seen. And not that he's reached the end of his journey, but using it here where they've packed up and they've taken off and kind of this moment of of like you said, intimacy, it offers a glimmer of hope. And you notice that this is one of the very few scenes the entire room is, the color palette is dominated by red. Yeah. Because that's her, I mean, that's her color. That's she wears it. a lot of red. Yeah. Um, it feels like they've gotten away from it. Yeah. Yeah. For now. It is, uh, and we'll talk, we hear Wu Jin's theme later on, but his theme is also a waltz. And they talked about this use of kind of movement and push and pull and just the the use of waltzes is so genius i mm-hmm. think because again it plays to that you know the f- this feeling of classical music 
bringing out so many emotions and and kind of representing a lot of what is going on between these characters through the score. Right. And waltzes, I mean, they can be pensive, they can be romantic, yes. right. they can be thoughtful, they can be tragic, mm-hmm. kind of what this entire film is. Yeah. Yep. But later, as they sleep, thick and familiar-looking gas seeps in from underneath the door. I knew shit seemed too okay. <laughs> too good. Too yeah. good to be true. Um, This is the other scene where Choi min said that he fell asleep. And they, they have footage of them, and he's just laying there. <laughs> Asleep in the bed. I mean, <laughs> dude, you, come on. Did they yeah. use real gas? <laughs> <laughs> Everything that you've put him through, you expect him to lay in a comfy bed and not fucking no, go to yeah. sleep? Come on, man. But Wu Jin stands at the foot of their bed wearing a gas mask. He lowers himself to the bed behind me, do, and softly traces a finger along her side as his heavy breathing echoes in his mask. Mr. Han stands nearby silently. I know we're friends, man. You gotta stop doing weird shit like this. <laughs> yeah, honestly, yeah, I, I told you I'd help you gas him so you can check on him. You didn't tell me you were no. gonna go. <laughs> you just said the yeah. foot of the bed. Yeah, yeah, he's just standing there like, come on. Yeah, yeah he's not down, dude. Can we he please? He pays just... me good. He pays me good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> can we go back to the penthouse? Um, I didn't want to mention it yet, but now we see that Wu Jin is here. Mr. Han is here. In the hallway, when they're making their way to the room, there the walls are kind of Wu Chen's maze-like pattern. Okay. So it's like even in this moment where everything is red, where it is giving very much me do her song, her color, he's still here. Yeah. He's everywhere. Everywhere you want to be. <laughs> <laughs> Later, Daesu is sitting up in bed, his hair wild. Midu sits behind him, and we see that they're both staring at a gift wrapped in purple paper. That shot of them in bed is fantastic. Mm-hmm. But as the wind rustles the drapes of the open window behind them, Midu sneezes. I was like, was that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that looked very real. Yeah. I think that was left in. When Daesu removes the lid of the box and reveals Mr. Park's severed hand, his unique ring on one finger, Midu faints collapsing on the ground and taking their shared blanket with her. I did love the shot of them standing there in the blanket. Mm -hmm. Yes. It was just the silhouette. It's again, there's so many small iconic moments. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There's so many large iconic moments. I know you were saying about overusing the word iconic, but there's really no other word. No. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, don't take a shot every time. I (laughs) Please don't. Please do not. And, and thinking about what you were saying, uh, when you guys were saying about the waltz, the way I'm thinking about it is like it's a it, it's also a dance. It flows everything when you're doing it right and you just watch people dancing. They seem like they're just flowing around the dance floor. Mm-hmm. This movie, again, when you do watch it and you know what's coming, it flows perfectly from yep. beginning to end. And when you think about it as well with Wu Jin's theme being a waltz too Mm -hmm. he's orchestrating yes he's choreographed this entire thing yeah Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) great observations the next morning they promptly peel off leaving the hotel he says that if they knew that desu wanted to cut off mr park's hand it means he put a bug on them he found them because they were tailing them He walks into an electronics store and thrust a handwritten note at the electronics store owner, played by San Kim. I've been bugged. Please find it. I love how frantically that's shot. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Well, it is. It Very. Is. Yeah. <laughs> the owner scans Daesu's shoe while Midu proposes that maybe Daesu was let go so that he could have fun watching him run wild looking for revenge so that he can toy with him forever. I'm sorry, but all of this has been very heavily implied. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For them to be surprised at all that he's been bugged is <laughs> I would assume like, that's that from cheating. Yeah. yeah. And honestly it is kind of funny of Wu Jin to be like, he's not gonna change his shoes. <laughs> <laughs> Those shoes I gave him are fantastic. Well he's he's uh he's got a lot on his plate. I don't think clothes shopping is really on the agenda. I guess not. But the owner finds the bug, a chip implanted in the heel of Daesu's shoe. In a surveillance van, Wujin sits and listens to this, and one of the red lights on his monitor goes out. He smiles. At the internet cafe, Midu reads off what the name Evergreen could represent. She reads from a list of businesses and places online. Evergreen Press and Printing System, Evergreen Pasta and Pizza, Evergreen Tree Garden, Evergreen Old Boys Sang Knock High School Alumni Homepage, Evergreen Secret Diary. I'm going to be honest, one of those (laughs) (laughs) seems more important. But she falls silent when, without a word, Daesu and Juhan both come over and stare at the computer screen. They click on a link. The website displays a statue of the Virgin Mary and boasts, Welcome to Evergreen Old Boys, the Sangnok High School alumni homepage. We see the school grounds and a picture of a priest and a nun before it transitions to Daesu and Midu driving up onto the school grounds. Another brilliant transition. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. Oh, yeah. In the library, Midu talks with the grumpy man working there, asking sweetly to see the records for the class of 79, despite the man telling her that it's time for them to close. Daesu sits at a nearby table, and annoyed, the man tells her to turn the lights on because it's dark. He tells them to take their time. This is the commencement of a research scene. We love it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Daesu easily finds Wu Jin's school picture and calls Ju Huan to ask if he knew him. Consulting the book in front of him, he says that he thinks he went to America to study. Ju Huan doesn't recognize the name, but asks how Daesu was able to find this out, and Daesu tells him simply that he looked through every photo until he recognized Wu Jin's face. From another book, Mi Du passes him a purple envelope that she found tucked into the spine. I would probably throw up just looking at this envelope this feel it's just so orchestrated yes inside is an advertisement for the scissor hand salon elsewhere we see Wu Jin smirk Daesu asks if Juhan knew Lee Sua because she was in their year Juhan does remember her and tells Daesu that she died she was in homeroom two Juhan's class Daesu finds her name crossed out in the yearbook and a blank space over her face in the class photo. He asks how she died, and Juhan realizes that all of this happened after Daesu was transferred, so he wouldn't know. He says that she went to the Habchun Dam by herself, fell into the river, and drowned. We see this. Lee Suwa, played by Yoon Jin Sao, flailing as she falls backwards into the water. Juhan continues, giving the morbid fact that they found her bloated body in the water a week later. Daesu asks what Sua was like, and Juhan calls her a total slut, just trying to act like a prude on the outside. For proof, he cites a rumor that she'd been with everyone in school. 
While he is saying this as loud as he pleases, we pan past the row of computers where he sits and sees that Wu Jin is sitting at a computer in the next row. I know that he owns this place, but you Mm -hmm. gotta... A little decorum. It's it's too much. It's way too much. It's too much. Well, and why is he using the computers on the floor? Shouldn't he have his own? He was sitting at the desk earlier. Yeah, that's (laughs) right. (laughs) But Wu Jin looks upset as Juwan laughs, saying that he should have gotten with her too. He says that she came from a rich family as Wu Jin presses a button to eject a disc. Once it's out, he breaks it apart and stands up. Juwan continues talking loudly to Daesu as Wu Jin approaches. He tells Daesu, I know it was a long time ago, but didn't you also? Before he can finish the thought, Wu Jin attacks him, stabbing him brutally with the shard of the disc. Daesu's muffled yelling can be heard, demanding to know what's going on. When he's finished with Juwan, Wu Jin picks up the headset and talks to him. He sets the record straight that his sister was not a slut and that he really wants Daesu to know that. He says that since he got rid of all the bugs, he had to come all the way here and he wants Daesu to know that Juwan died because of him. Juwan's weak struggling finally stops and Wu Jin pries his jacket out of his grasp. Daesu screams on the other end of the phone, promising to kill Wu Jin, but Wu Jin just calmly walks away. The digital calendar clicks from July 1st to July 2nd. So as a seasoned detective, I'm going to go ahead and say <laughs> this has probably something to do with this. Assistant. Yeah. <laughs> I, you're really thinking outside the box here, yeah. but I'm going to follow you. I think you might be right. Very cool. I think Grissom might be right. <laughs> but the way, I mean, I don't... He was talking about his sister really bad. Oh, oh he yeah. Was. I mean, I yeah. don't really blame the guy for getting upset and cutting him in the neck a few times. I mean, Just a few a times. A few times. Yeah. Like, maybe one too far. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we see Wu Jin in his home doing yoga, achieving an incredibly impressive locust position. Laying on his chest, he lifts his legs high up into the air behind him. The score drowns the sound of Daesu screaming and cursing in his car as he drives with Midu in the passenger seat. He hits the roof and cries out in his grief. Back in his penthouse, tears pour from Wu Jin's eyes. I did see in a featurette that you wanted to attempt this pose on his own, mm-hmm. but it was very strenuous and next to impossible. Yes. <laughs> and so it was accomplished with the use of wires. But everybody asks him all the time. They're like, how did you do that? Yeah. And he's like, well, you know, yeah. <laughs> a lot of practice. So yeah. Take your vitamins. and. <laughs> I wanted to talk about the score here because mm-hmm. this is Wu Jin's theme. It's called Cries and Whispers. And this was another <laughs> another um, point of contention when they were doing the score <laughs> or really scoring the film because they were arguing over when this should end. And so the way that it ended up, and I think it's brilliant, it goes past the murder, mm-hmm. past Desu his anger and his rage and his grief all the way up. And it doesn't stop until we see Wu Jin crying, achieving this position. Mm -hmm. And I think it's really effective, especially since what we've seen of Wu Jin, like finally seeing some of that anger and some of the sadness creep through. It's really effective. Mm -hmm. Um, But again, this is another waltz, uh, but it is a very, sad one yeah and they talked a lot about wanting it to you know the back and forth movement and rotation of the waltz it's really 
it's really effective. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I will say when the scene cuts into this apartment and you see him uh, doing this yoga, the camera presses in and we do see a French press on his coffee table. So I was already starting to feel sympathy (laughs) (laughs) for him. He can't be all bad. For this Mr. Vengeance. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I want to just one more thing. The uh, murder itself. Well, it wasn't an actual murder, obviously, but (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yuji Tay said that they got this in the second take, him stabbing him, and that they show in in the um, documentary footage, they show them going outside after at, like afterwards and G Day Han the um actor that plays Ju Wan he takes his shirt off and he is bruised and red and swollen just from them doing those two takes God yeah. damn. so he he fucking he went to town yeah <laughs> but at a dentist office dental nurse played by Mimi Lee vacuums the floor when Daesu and Midu come in she tells them that they're not open yet but Daesu presents the business card given to him by Mr. Park and tells her that a man that got six gold teeth here recommended this place. The next time we see the nurse, she is tied up and silenced in the chair. Looking through the records at the office, Daesu has found Mr. Park's phone number and calls him. They meet up with him in a room similar to the one that Daesu was held in. Mr. Park tells Daesu that he had to move because of him and pointing at the TV with his new prosthetic hand, he says that he got new TVs to celebrate. Well, yeah, I mean, good for him. Yeah, you gotta give, you know, find the good yeah. in <laughs> yeah. every situation. Well, listening to this, mm. I just realized what he just said. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, no, we'll talk. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He asks if Daesu likes it, saying that it's exciting to have so many channels. Some people refuse to even leave. Midu asks... <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, shut up. <laughs> Midu asks if he really lived in a room like this for 15 years, and Daesu says that he got used to it after 11. Oh, good. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> when he tries to offer Mr. Park money, Mr. Park refuses. He tells Daesu that the money isn't necessary. An enemy's enemy is a friend. Daesu hands him his ring, and Midu tells him regretfully that they had to throw away his hand because it was rotting. Mr. Park is moved to tears, saying that his wife will be so happy. We see members of his gang standing around the room, and our view finally settles on Midu, who wants to know why she was brought here. We immediately cut to Mr. Park and his men leading a blindfolded Daesu down a hallway. Midu screams and bangs on the door behind them. Daesu tells them that if he doesn't return after July 5th to let her go. He says that he remembers someone visiting him in his room and asks what they did. Mr. Park admits to visiting him three times to put hypnosis-inducing drugs in his water. When Daesu asks if it was sodium barbiturate, Mr. Park giggles, confirming that the TV man knows it all. The calendar clicks forward from July 2nd to July 3rd. Daesu walks from the rain outside into the Scissorhand Salon. A woman stares back at him, and he holds the ad that was in the envelope out to her. She raises a finger and takes an air to speak. We cut to Daesu sitting with the green shower cap on. Again, I know the use of green is uh, haunting, but that this was hilarious. Yeah. It was. I did think it was symbolic of him always being on his mind, though. Oh, oh okay. very good. The woman tells him that it's nonsense. Even though it was a Catholic school, Suwa wouldn't have taken her life over rumors. There has to be another reason. 
Maybe she was pregnant. She makes it clear that she doesn't believe the rumors about her anyway. She thinks there was only one guy that she was going with. Who was the guy? She laughs, saying that she doesn't know. She picks up the phone and calls someone named Chun Shim. She confirms that Chun Shim knew Sua and asks who her boyfriend was. Chun Shim doesn't know either, so she tells her to shut the hell up and wonders what they would know about friendship. I was like, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> Day Su is staring at the woman's knees the whole time she's talking, but his attention is brought back when she hears her say the name Juwan. After she gets the rest of the tea, she tells Chun Shim that she'll call her back. She turns back to Daesu and says that Chun Shim said that Juwan told her all about it and that Daesu is the one that would know best. So, putting it all together in this moment. Yeah. What it sounds like, especially when you piece together everything we've heard so far, Juwan saying that Daesu slept with like 260 women. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You got Wu Jin saying that Daesu doesn't know how to protect women. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you have basically this conversation of saying that she was pregnant. And then also Juwan was like, well, didn't you also? Yes. And yeah. so yes. everything putting it together, it's like, okay, so when they were younger, Daesu slept with Wu Jin's sister, yes. got her pregnant. It led to this tragedy. Yes. That's why everything's happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That that is that I, I I noticed it, but because I had watched it previous, you know what I mean. But mm-hmm. yeah, if you didn't like, you're saying all of that leads yep. up to that. Yeah, and it makes it 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 all the seeds have been planted. Yeah, and so right. for what? <laughs> yeah, there is no guessing. Yeah, yeah. hold on to your butts. <laughs> <laughs> the bell over the door rings, and a woman steps inside with a bright pink umbrella. She closes it and shakes off the water droplets. And once again, Daesu's attention is brought to her knees. The bell rings again and it mingles with the bell of a bike. Daesu watches in a memory as Sua rides a bike. We see her knees moving up and down as she uses the pedals. We see her smiling face. Daesu's voice warns that you'll get hurt if you hesitate. As she rides past, ringing the bell on her bike, Young Oh Dae-su, played by Oh Tae-kyung, hangs upside down from the monkey bars. Very convenient that he wears his name on his shirt. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a Catholic school. I don't know. If I that's don't know either. Yeah, I was yeah. like, <laughs> <laughs> They all wear name tags. So I don't mm-hmm. know. Then that answers my, because I was going to ask, because I had forgot they did say that earlier, but yeah. I was like, so is it military or Catholic school because of, of the name? Yeah. But that's right. They did say that. Mm-hmm. He lights a cigarette as he swings slightly back and forth and watches Sua ride her bike. A nun, played by Jung A. Kwok, chastises Daesu, telling him to put it out. He only responds that he's transferring to Seoul today. He takes another defiant drag before telling her to butt out. The nun smacks him in the face with her book before walking away. He had it coming. He did. Yeah. But it's it's like, well, you can't do anything about what I said. Yes. Yeah. And I can't do anything about it. <laughs> yeah. He's leaving. <laughs> About the assault. <laughs> <laughs> Sua comes over and parks her bike before sitting on a bench next to where Daesu hangs. He clumsily falls onto the ground before trying to casually walk over to her. And also call him Ranch because he'd be dressing. <laughs> that fit was everything. Is that the uniform? I don't know. <laughs> I don't think so because nobody else is dressed like that. No, he's like, I chose this. Yeah. <laughs> and I got my name monogrammed and... <laughs> Sua starts to read a book, but Daesu makes a show of unbuttoning his shirt, dropping his cigarette on the ground, and spitting on it. 
You know, it's interesting as well because it's kind of like zebra patterned. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know, they say, no, that's not zebras. That's 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 tigers. Well, but zebras <laughs> also can't change their stripes. Okay. Because I'm like, you know, he's, he's talking a lot about the old day too. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. I'm just trying to, I'm trying to be poetic here. Yeah. <laughs> He makes his way to a set of parallel bars, almost catching himself in the face before he starts swinging on them. I that was so <laughs> funny. I was like, "This dude, <laughs> I get you're trying to impress." He's trying the to lady, show out, yeah. yeah. But this is very like reminiscent of when he banged his head yes. in Medusa's apartment. Yeah. Again, it was a zebra can yeah. change. <laughs> yeah, as a as a fellow clumsy, you know, I I respect it. This catches Suwa's attention, and she smiles. She asks him if he's Desu, and he immediately sits down next to her. Wiping sand from his face, she says that she's heard he's popular with the girls. He chalks this up to rumors, but she has also heard that he's really funny. She tells him to say something funny. I, you put Don't me, do that. Yeah. 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 That's not fair at all. I'm situationally funny at best. <laughs> right, oh, you're a comedian. Yeah. Right? Right, tell me tell a me fucking a joke. joke. Yeah. It's like, oh, never mind. Comedy dude. doesn't work like that. Yeah. <laughs> Desu says that being stuck with one image isn't healthy, but that doesn't stop him. He lights another cigarette, offering one to her, but she politely declines. He starts with a joke. A father and son go to a public bath, but suddenly, Suwa consults her watch and rushes away, saying that she has to go. It's probably a good thing that he didn't, because any joke that starts like that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it is a good thing that he didn't get to tell it, but I will say that where we all know this joke is going. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Desu now watches his younger self go into a classroom and write the words, take care, homeroom three fuckheads across the blackboard. (laughs) (laughs) All right. (laughs) He smiles at his handiwork before throwing the chalk away, but he catches another boy running outside when he looks down through the window. Desu and his younger self both race to follow the boy, going up and down stairs in this maze of a school. Everything about this sequence is visually arresting. Yeah, it is. And I think it's really representative of like when you're trying really hard to remember something. Mm -hmm. That's that's for me. That's what I was like. Oh, he's he's trying to remember, but you can't. Yeah, because I can try to remember school when I was young and go. But like, I know I'm not remembering everything (laughs) the way it was. Yeah, it is. It's watching him piece it together. Yeah. Finally, he finds the boy in a classroom, but he stays outside and peers through a hole that's been broken in the window. The boy, Young Woo Jin, played by Yu Yan Sok, snaps photos of Sua. He tries to get her to raise her dress, but she refuses. Finally, things escalate and he goes over to her. She lets him pull her underwear down, but stops him when he tries to unbutton her dress. Eventually, she not only lets him, but joins him in opening her dress and exposing her breasts. When he starts, I mean, Tom Atkinsing yes, him, yes. I don't know another decorum no, yeah, that, adjacent way to describe it. <laughs> that was my joke. He has the same agent as Tom Atkins. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah you're doing your best. Yeah. I'm, I'm doing, I mean, this is a lot. But she takes a mirror out of her bag and watches him. Then she watches herself. Then she turns the mirror around the room and catches Desu watching them. The boy turns. The mirror was purple, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. I think. Oh, yeah. Later, young Juwan, played by U Il Han, helps Desu gather his things to leave. Desu has let his friend in on the tea. 
Abruptly, Juwan tells Daesu that he'll see him if he ever goes to Seoul and walks away, saying that he's got a date with Chun Shim. Mm-hmm. Daesu calls after him that he's dead meat if he tells anyone. I will say it's interesting. He said that Suwa had a red bike. Yeah. So this the color, mm. you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I thought that was odd. Uh, I will say, though, and again, it's something that I thought of as a complaint during this moment. Yeah. Gets explained later, of course. Right, right. But I was like, really? Daesu's sitting in this hair salon? He's like, oh, yeah, the most taboo thing I ever fucking... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've ever seen in my fucking life. Oh, yeah. Maybe maybe there would be <laughs> some, some heartburn over, it was <laughs> over this getting out. Yeah. <laughs> it was also moving day. Yeah. There was a lot yeah. going on. Maybe 15 years worth of... <laughs> Revenge and heartburn could have been caused by this ridiculously taboo thing that yeah, I saw no one time <laughs> that I just forgot until now. Hmm. Interesting. We hear me do saying that there's no way he couldn't have gotten locked up for 15 years just for saying that. Daesu walks back to his car and the calendar clicks from July 4th to July 5th, which reminder, that's the deadline. Mm hmm. Daesu's voice repeats, be it a grain of sand or a rock in the water, they sink the same. This is such an interesting, I don't know, phrase thing to say, because it's like no matter what you feel like your contribution to something was, it still ended up happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you're still culpable responsible you know fill in the blank Mm -hmm. that's how i took it to mean i understand that but i will say that i don't think that the blame really rests on day soon i told john paul that the other day because i was like okay you see some shit like that there's no way you're not telling your bestie like there's there's no way i'm there there's no way there's no fucking way yeah um but Bestie does not need to go tell everyone. You know what I mean? No. I, so I know that Juwan, I'm not saying that he deserved to get brutally stabbed, but I don't like the way he talks about women and he has a big fucking mouth. He does. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, but he should have been in the room right next to Daesu. He should have been, but all I'm saying is that the blame <laughs> kind of rests on Wu Jin and okay, Suha. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you're no, neglecting. Yes, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I'm looking at it through, through Wu Jin's perspective. Okay. Yeah. And he's not going to be like, we really shouldn't have been doing that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in retrospect he's gonna look at it as this person caused a chain of events that led to a horrible horrible tragedy right so i mean i think that i mean i guess it started with desu i guess he's the one that let it out of the bag but juwan really carried the ball over the finish line i don't want to say he got off scot-free but if he wasn't openly talking shit about suwa would that have happened to him they were not yeah, Jin no. was not fucking with him at all that is true. That is, I mean, yeah, but I mean, every, there's enough blame to go around. No, yeah. <laughs> That's what kind of makes it hard because everybody has blame for something. Absolutely. <laughs> but I mean, that that again, <laughs> that again shows well-written characters. Yes. Yeah. Because yes. if you can see from the perspective of him to say, this is the catalyst of all of it. Yeah. I understand. Well, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm just saying most villains don't think that they're the villain. Right. No, and that that's what makes a compelling villain. Yes. yes, and even as this goes on, Wu Jin never acknowledges or feels that what they were doing was wrong. No. Never, never. Yeah. So, I mean, in his point of view, I just, I again, I guess Daesu is the root, but he didn't 
it wasn't a malicious, oh my God, you're never going to guess, you know? Yeah. And he was like, he literally said, don't tell anyone. I know he, there's a lot of um, not great people, but Wu Jin's apartment is fucking top notch. It is. I <laughs> was house, like, yeah. yeah, I was like, oh my God. He's got impeccable taste in, yes. in clothes and apartments. And the yeah. shower. Oh my God. Yeah. yeah but no. not, in, not in behavior. No, 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 no. no. The behavior, he, <laughs> take that somewhere He can take else. that outside. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the apartment's great. Yes. But, but now in the room with me, do he says that this is what Wu Jin believes? The quote about the sinking the same. Me mm. do asks what's so significant about July fifth, and he answers that that's the day Suwa died. She says that it's over. Then he said himself that this wasn't about vengeance; it was about finding out why. She asks if now they can run away where they'll never be found. But Daesu says that he can't end it like this. The vengeance has become a part of him now. And I can't help but wonder. <laughs> shout out to Gary Bradshaw. I can't help but wonder. Wow. <laughs> what would if he just was satisfied with finding out the why and they just left? Yeah. I don't know. Revenge is so it's poison. It is. But it'll also eat you from the inside. Well, mm -hmm. I mean, it, it's it's a double-edged sword. Yeah. Well, you know, the saying is if you go on a quest for revenge, dig two graves. I mean, yeah. facts for everyone yeah. involved. Mm -hmm. But Desu stands and changes his clothes. Midu points out that he doesn't even know where he lives. But Desu's voiceover takes over like a gazelle from the hand of the hunter, like a bird from the snare of the fowler. Free yourself. He says that's from Proverbs chapter six, verse four. And that Proverbs is another word for Maxim, the building of Wujin's penthouse. And he thought of everything. Yeah. yeah. Evergreen also said that he lives in a high tower. Remember, he was like a prince, you know, whatever. Yeah. Chapter six and verse four could mean the floor numbers. Now we're leaving um, the room that me do is being kept in. And I wanted to point out the production designer said that they made the walls kind of in the pattern of snowflakes to represent hope. Okay. And there is a praying picture of a young girl hung above the bed. A I, little girl is praying. Yeah, yeah you do see that. But Daisu walks quickly into the Maxim and gets on the elevator, wondering what it could mean. The fourth floor or the sixth floor or the 64th floor. He scans the buttons on the elevator and presses the P for penthouse. Back in the room, Midu hugs him tight before he leaves. She asks him what he'd like for her to pray for. In the elevator, Daisu punches in numbers, but his access is denied. He hits the four and the six together. Wrong. <laughs> I just love anybody else trying to use the elevator. He's like, I'm going to be here for a while. Yeah. <laughs> Take like, the next go around. Yeah. Go around. <laughs> In the room, he holds me due close and tells her, Dear God, please let me meet a younger man next time. Me do can't help but laugh. The doors open on the elevator next to the one Desu stands in, and a group of people get off, glancing over at him. He stands, still pondering the code for the penthouse. Mr. Han and Wujin casually walk up and get on the elevator with him. Mr. Han punches in the code, 0604. I'd be like, God, God damn, damn it! It <laughs> <laughs> was that simple? Yeah. 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 <laughs> How embarrassing. <laughs> He's like, we were tired of watching you struggle. Yeah. <laughs> Just move! <laughs> the doors close and the elevator begins its ascent. 
Mr. Han hands something wrapped in newspaper to Wu Jen and Wu Jen opens it up. Back in the room, tears streaming down her face, Mi Du begins her prayer. She begs God to please make Li Wu Jen kneel down to Odesu and beg him for mercy. In the elevator, Wu Jen removes a gun from the newspaper before wrapping it back up and slipping it into his pocket. Bravely, Daesu levels Wu Jen with the accusation, you slept with your sister. Coolly, Wu Jen is like, we'll talk upstairs. <laughs> Mr. Han's like, what the <laughs> fuck? <laughs> like, what in the Lannister? <laughs> you didn't tell me. Yeah. It's like first to bed, now the dude. Yeah, yeah well, we're, I quit. Yeah. Think, yeah. <laughs> I'm putting my two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> my notice of resignation. <laughs> but we see Daesu leave me do in the room as she sobs. Now, Daesu follows Wu Jen and Mr. Han into the penthouse. Wu Jen's bodyguards, played by Yu Jen Yul and Meng San Bok, are on standby, and Wu Jen immediately tells them, Sick him. Dude, no. Yeah. <laughs> I'm honestly pretty pissed off. Just no. Yeah, you got this far. Yeah. It's like, now fight two more guys. Well, yeah. you know, there's all, everything leading up to the boss fight. Yeah, yeah, but haven't I already done enough? <laughs> you were there for the <laughs> elevator. The hallway? Yeah. yeah. Or the hallway, yeah. And the elevator. And the elevator. They lunge for Daesu, but thinking quickly, he takes a toothbrush from a cup and breaks it in half, using the newly sharp end to attack the men. I love how they showed him procuring this in the apartment. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or the, I guess, the, you know, hotel uh torture like, torture yeah, palace yeah <laughs> whatever <laughs> yeah um because they kept showing it i'm like why are they showing these toothbrushes and it's yeah. like oh wow yeah. you know the hotel torture yeah. palace <laughs> <laughs> whatever dude it's a lot of things he makes short work of them even dragging one through one of the pools built into the floor he runs to mr han with his fist raised but freezes mr han only grins at him and invites him to talk this out he drags the bodies of the bodyguards out of the way as Wu Jen hums, casually taking a shower. And I believe he's humming his own theme, his own waltz. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's, I'm not gonna lie, that's pretty cool. Yes! <laughs> in the hallway, we see someone held captive in one of the rooms being served a meal through a slot. Wu Jen steps out of the shower, ass naked, and struts across the room. Daesu once again accuses him of sleeping with his own sister, but Wu Jin just comments on how refreshing his shower was. He walks over to an area that automatically opens itself up to him as a walk-in closet. His penthouse is fucking wild. Oh, yeah. I mean, why, why do you have to complain about like, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> revenge for what? Yeah, man. Re the best revenge is living well. Yeah, yeah. you've gotten you've done revenge. It. Daesu admits that he did start the rumors after Wu Jin slept with his sister, and that's why she took her own life. Wu Jin comes out in underwear and stands in front of a full-length mirror. Through it, he looks at Daesu's reflection behind his and says that looking in a mirror reminds him of that day. He wonders if the same is true for him. So this was very surprising to learn in a featurette. Mm -hmm. This shot, usually when you see a shot like this where there's a focus in the background and in the foreground, mm -hmm. yeah. it's a split diopter shot. We see them with Brian De Palma all the time. Yeah. But this was accomplished with visual effects. Huh. Really? They have Wu Jin standing in front of a mirror and there's a blue screen behind him. Then they shoot Daesu's scenes and they just splice them together. <laughs> 
It's so well yeah. done. Yeah, I never would have guessed. I thought they did it by just, all right, action. <laughs> <laughs> That's you it. come yeah. closer. Because <laughs> it, looks, it looks fucking flawless. It, it does. Good. You would never guess. Mm-mm. But Desu only tells him how unfair it was for him to erase his memory and then tell him to find it. He tells him that he did win, though. And we zoom in tight on his face as he tells Wu Jin to die like he promised to. Wu Jin challenges him, asking if he really thinks that the real reason he couldn't remember that day is because he was hypnotized. We see Miju in her room, sitting on her bed and praying silently. Wu Jin turns to face Daesu as he gets dressed in a fresh suit and offers to tell him the real reason that he couldn't remember. He tells him flatly, he just forgot. He asks if that's disappointing, but insists that it's the truth. Daesu forgot because it wasn't his business. He says that the rumors swirled to a point where people were saying Suwa was pregnant. He buttons his shirt and slides his belt through the loops as he continues. Suwa herself even began to believe the rumors to the point where she started showing symptoms of pregnancy. He asks if Daesu can understand and think about the girl who is pregnant with her baby that is also her nephew. He tells him, your tongue got my sister pregnant. Not his... Well, not him. It was Day. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I'm gonna get an email. <laughs> it was Daisu's tongue. And then you remember he talks too much. Yeah. yeah. And this is so like, I feel like everything that is coming later because it is a bomb that does not stop exploding. Mm-hmm. It's kind of lost here. How Daisu opening his mouth and saying one thing to one person before he just moves on and carries on with his life destroyed a family, destroyed a person at least, yeah, mm-hmm. and altered the life of somebody else, yeah. And so it is such like a reminder of be mindful of the shit that you say because you don't, you just don't know that it's like you just fucking forgot that had nothing to do with me. I think that's what it was. For me, it was yes. like you just, it wasn't that important, but you still said something. Yeah. And you still, whatever. Then fucking went on and lived your life yes. and did whatever. Yeah. It's kind of terrifying. And nothing was the same for us ever again. Yeah. But you, it was enough that it was so insignificant that you fucking forgot about yeah. it. Like that is haunting and very overlooked because of everything. Holy yeah. shit. But holding up a framed photo of Sua, Daesu asks if that's why he killed her, saying that instead he's thinking of the boy about to father a child who is also his nephew. Woojin begins to chuckle as Daesu ventures that he must have been afraid, so he killed Sua, and he must have been so angry with Daesu when he realized after he'd done it that she wasn't actually pregnant. This he understands. Woojin busts out laughing at this, but Daesu takes another framed photo of Suwa off the wall. She's standing at the dam. Daesu says that everyone thinks Suwa was at the dam alone the day she died. If she was, who took this picture? And it is really saying something how sparse and um, kind of cold this penthouse is, but these are the pictures that are hung up. Yeah. Not just pictures of Suwa, but pictures of Suwa from that day. Mm-hmm. You, it's tunnel vision. Yeah. And I, I did love how he's like, everybody says, but it was like, Juwan. Ju- yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> one person. <laughs> he also points out the date on the photo, July 5th. 
Wu Jin says that this is no fun. He smiles and tells Daesu to just listen to the story he was telling because it's really fun. I think the photo probably would have been a better reveal of the July 5th date. Yeah. Instead of him just saying, oh, it's the day that she... To, uh, right, right, yeah. right, right, right. Fair enough. We see Midu changing her clothes in the room for a moment as Wu Jin begins his story. He explains post-hypnotic suggestion, which... Daesu did ask him about on the phone. He did. You suggest something during hypnosis and then it's acted out in the awakened state. He asked Daesu if he still doesn't get it. He repeats what he told me do. You bring a complete stranger into your home. Who are you? We hear me do screamed answer back. Who are you, you rotten bastard? We see me do working at the restaurant and speaking to a woman. Miss you. Man. What? This is it's already spiraling. Yeah. yeah. Elsewhere, they sit talking and laughing. Wu Jin says that they hypnotized both of them and were lucky to find that they were both highly receptive to hypnosis. We see a swinging pendulum and Miss Yu's lips moving as she hypnotizes both Mi Do and Daesu separately. Wu Jin asks, "Isn't it fun? One word gets you pregnant. One word gets you in love." As he puts on his tie, he says that it doesn't matter how receptive you are or how talented Miss Yu is. Getting people to fall in love is difficult. He asks, do you know what we did? We see Daesu and Me Do meeting as she slices fish behind the counter of the restaurant. This is split screen with Wu Jin's smiling face, who tells Daesu that his first instruction was to go to the restaurant after he was released. Then, to react to a song playing on his phone. When he hears that, he's supposed to say something specific. Daesu lifts the phone and he does. Who are you? His face making up half of Daesu's in the split screen, Wu Jin holds up his fingers and a mock phone to his ear and responds, Do you like your clothes? As we watch Mi Do place her hand over Daesu's, Wu Jin reveals that she was instructed to perform that action after she heard a man say those words. When she grabs his hand, his reaction was, of course, and we see Daesu pass out in his plate. So in that moment at the beginning of the film, it's like, well, yeah, he's been through a lot, of course. Yeah. yeah. It, you know, you don't even think to connect these Not things. Not at all. It 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 is great though seeing everything happen and then you're like oh fuck oh my god oh shit yeah because like i know you mentioned it earlier t that there are things that just kind of are throwaway stuff and then not that any of this is but once this is all explained my i my mind was fucking blown yes. yeah and then the complaints from earlier of really they're falling in love yes. yeah you're like oh shit yeah really they're falling in love yeah <laughs> <laughs> As he gets cufflinks from a drawer, Wu Jin continues that Daesu's mistake wasn't failing to find the answer. He could never find the right answer if he keeps asking the wrong questions. It's not, why did Li Wu Jin lock me up? It's, why did he let me go? He asks again why he would release Daesu after 15 years. He steps out of the closet dressed smartly and it closes itself back up. He shines the light of a green laser pointer onto Daesu's face before trailing it across the room. He goes over glasses, over Mr. Han, over a projector, and finally onto a box wrapped in extravagant purple paper. He breathes heavily and smiles as he shakes the green dot over the box until Daesu walks over to it. 
He takes scissors from a cup nearby and opens the box. Before we look inside, we see me do in the room smiling at something in front of her. Something white and feathered. Mm-hmm. I'm losing my mind. <laughs> and don't shine that in my eye, man. Watch out with the laser. Yeah. <laughs> He's pointing at everyone. He's like, come, come down. On, yeah. on top of everything else. I, I think it's the sheer giddiness yeah. yes. of Because he's, he's been waiting over 15 years because yeah. 15 years was just him in prison. Mm-hmm. He still had to graduate school, grow up, get married, have a child, sleep with 260 women. Yeah. <laughs> Inside is a photo album. That was taken. Yes. Mm-hmm. When Daesu flips it open, he sees a picture of himself, his wife, and their baby girl, Yen He. He closes his eyes against the grief and pain and forces himself to continue flipping through. One picture of his wife and baby. One of his baby crawling on a deck. One of her being fed. Her playing outside. As the pictures progress, she gets older and older, eventually school-aged and posing with her friends, eventually even older, until we see pictures of her walking down the street with Daesoo. We see her asleep on the floor after tending to Daesoo's wounds as he sits listening to the tape. We see a close-up of her smiling face. Once he reaches the end of the photo album, he's met with a glossy surface and faced with his own confounded reflection as he struggles with the truth that's been presented to him. His lost daughter, Yen He, is the woman he has fallen in love with. Me do. Underneath his reflection, written in red, are the words, Laugh and the world laughs with you. Weep and you will weep alone. In her room, Midu wears a pair of angel wings, the gift from her birthday 15 fucking years ago. Yeah. She shakes her shoulders, making them flutter, but her attention is drawn to the doorway when Mr. Park enters with a smile. This is so much to mm-hmm. unpack. And I can say now, when they were casting for Midu, Park Chan-wook said that he needed a duality of her being this beautiful woman and her also being able to be seen as a baby, as a child. Because when you cut back to her in the room and she's playing with those wings, that is a yeah. little girl. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, you are left speechless. Yeah. It, it, it's a, it's a lot. It's it was, so much. It was very like, wow, dude, you're, you were upset. you were really hurt by this really really don't like me do you (laughs) wow you hate me (laughs) (laughs) yes I'm like please be lying you're lying you're lying you're lying he's not (laughs) no no it's it's horrible it's it's terrible but in the penthouse, Daesu screams in misery and hatred as he grabs the scissors and sprints for Wu Jin. But Mr. Han steps in his way and throws him into a glass case, shattering it. <laughs> He's thrown through several cases <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> before being thrown into the window. Serene piano plays over the supreme ass beating and Daesu crashes to the ground. The window splinters and shatters. 
glass rains down on Daesu and the wind blows through his hair. This is when I was like, when did you have time for a fucking silk press? But then I was like, oh my God, he was at the salon. Yeah. She did great. Yeah. His hair looks amazing in this scene. I don't think that's what we're focused on. His face streaked with blood. He grins up at Mr. Han as he rises to his feet. He's able to get one hit in, but Mr. Han kicks him back down. Wu Jin watches all of this from across the room. Mr. Han suddenly looks confused. He turns his head slightly and blood begins to pour from his ear. He looks down at the scissors in Daesu's hand and sees that they are bloody. Daesu didn't hit him. He stabbed him in the ear. Mr. Han blinks furiously and shakes as he tries to regain his composure. Suddenly, he and Daesu are fighting again, and Mr. Han is trying to drive the sharp end of the scissors into Daesu's throat. Wu Jin calls Mr. Han repeatedly in a calm tone, but Mr. Han is no longer capable of hearing him. Wu Jin walks over to him, and before Mr. Han can even turn around or realize what's happening, Wu Jin shoots him in the back of the head. His body hits the ground, blood pooling around his head, and Daesu falls with him. Wu Jin blinks against the blood that splattered into his eye before wiping it and smearing it around his face. He walks past Daesu, who catches his breath and stumbles to his feet. As Wu Jin washes his face in the pool, Daesu asks if Mi Do knows. Wu Jin asks why he would think to leave her with Mr. Park. He asks if he really thinks he would hate him just because he cut his hand off. Didn't he ever stop to think that maybe this could be a trap? He clicks his tongue and asks, how can you protect a woman with that brain of yours? He says he's been protecting me due since she was three years old. What about him? He calls Daesu an imbecile. Mr. Park was telling the truth about moving, but only because Wu Jin gave him that apartment building as payment for taking his hand. <laughs> I swear to God. Yeah. And I will say, in all fairness, I understand Daesu being like, look, he took his hand. Let's go talk. There's no telling that he's like. Not at all. No. After everything that he's already done, after everything you've done to him. Yeah. Really? The fact that he got all those teeth pulled and didn't run away, like he's still a part of this operation. Yeah. yeah. This man, I don't think, has boundaries. <laughs> In Midu's room, Mr. Park's phone rings. He answers it and hands it immediately to Midu. She sobs Daesu's name. She tells him that there's a purple box here with the same wrapping as before and that Mr. Park is telling her to open it. Daesu screams at her. No. His hand's shaking. He pleads with her not to open the box no matter what. If she opens it, something terrible will happen. But Me Do is like, what's in the box? <laughs> she presumes that he already knows. Calling her his sweet pea. He tells her to just wait a little longer because he'll be there very soon. I know that a lot has happened since the conversation in the phone booth, but this is exactly what he says to her in the phone booth. That is when yeah. she's his three year old baby. This turns your stomach and breaks your fucking heart at the same time. Me do sobs, asking him to just come now because she's scared. Daesu just tells her to wait for her, and he tells her she's a good girl when she doesn't protest. He says that he'll call her very soon, and he hangs up. He falls to his knees in front of Wu Jin and begs him not to tell Me Do, which is the exact opposite of what Me Do prayed for. Yeah. 
He says that she's done nothing wrong. This was all his fault. He admits to committing a terrible sin against his sister and that he was wrong to him as well. He begs on his knees with his hands clasped in front of him for Wu Jin to just leave me do alone. He says that if she finds out the truth, no one will be able to trace any of Wu Jin's body from the top of his head to the tips of his toes because he's going to chew up every last bit. He really needs to work on his apologies because yeah. <laughs> this is not... <laughs> it's not helping. Yeah, it feels more like a threat. <laughs> really. He crawls over to Wu Jin and holds onto his leg, begging forgiveness for saying that and asking him to forget it. He begs him, calling him sir and boss and imploring him to remember that they're evergreen old boys. He starts to sing the school song until he breaks down and sobs. There's you. You left for Seoul. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You didn't graduate you didn't here. Yeah. <laughs> he grabs onto him again, vowing to do whatever Wu Jin wants. He'll be his dog if he wants him to. He announces that he's Wu Jin's dog from now on. He's his puppy. He crawls around on the floor, barking, wagging his tail, insisting that he's his slave dog. He writhes on the floor, sobbing, barking, licking Wu Jin's shoe. Wu Jin is holding a purple handkerchief to his face to stifle his laughter. Well, he's like, I didn't ask you to do any of that. Yeah, <laughs> chill. Like, that was all no, yeah. you. And it's very specific, too. Yeah. I never asked for <laughs> any of this. No. <laughs> this is, even after what we've learned, even after the horrible things that we have seen, this was difficult to watch. It was. The way that he is begging and frantic and desperate. It was literally hard to watch. I will say I did read in an article in the Hollywood Reporter, Chung Hoon Chun shot this scene. He had two cameras set up. One of them was to follow the storyboards exactly as they planned, mm-hmm. and another one was handheld by himself on Choi. Okay. And so the thing was is that Choi actually improvised the majority of this, and he had said in the interview that he went to such extremes that the crew asked him to stop oh my god well, it's, it's like okay dude i get it i get it it's yeah like, please stop it's so hard to look at like i can't imagine being there and watching him do this in person yeah chung said that he was gasping and he was breathing so much that he had to alert the sound technicians they're like you're gonna have to remove a lot of me yeah from these that shots chung was? Yeah. oh my god Jeez. it uh, i just wanted to piggyback on how much of this was just choi embodying mm-hmm. Desu and doing this it is and the song that he sings is like a variation of his school song mm. so he's just like pulling for I mean I don't yeah it's, <laughs> uh, it's hard it's difficult and it only gets worse <laughs> because to prove that he will do anything Desu snatches up the scissors he grasps his tongue with another purple handkerchief and cuts his fucking tongue off it's poetic. It's so poetic that he's using Wu Jin's handkerchief to hold his tongue that offended him and hurt him so severely. Uh, I just, yeah. <laughs> I don't even know what to say. It, it, for me, it was the attention to the, the blood coming out of his mouth, him throwing up in the pool. Yes. And, and I was like, God damn, that, it, that hurt my tongue. Yeah. Yes. I was like, I don't, it's like, I know that's not real, but goddamn. It's another one of those things where we don't see it. No. No, but, but you, don't you feel need it. To. Yeah. You don't need to. 
But like you said, Daesu spits blood into the pool before crawling over to the phone dropped at Wu Jin's feet. Wu Jin stands stiffly as Daesu forces the phone into his hand and points at it. He gurgles on his own blood as Wu Jin finally kneels down next to him. He shoves the handkerchief into Daesu's mouth. Wu Jin raises the phone to his ear and calmly says, The box, leave it closed. Daesu sobs in relief. But Wujin lowers his head next to Daesu's and asks him, now what joy will I live for? Which is what he... Yeah. I watched on that featurette too. It made me a little emotional because they were at the rap party once they finished. And uh, Park Chan-wook is opening champagne and they're all happy. And it really seemed like this crew was so close and worked so well together. But Park Chan-wook turns to the camera and says, now what joy will I live oh, for? Wow. And I was like, oh, God. <laughs> well, wait, wait. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Old boy, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll do whatever you want. Yeah. We'll be your dog. <laughs> but yeah, it, it, it got me right in the heart. But we pan over to see that Wu Jin is holding a gun against Daesu's temple. Daesu closes his eyes, shaking fiercely and accepting his fate. But Wu Jin lowers his hand. He stands up, the remote to stop his heart falling onto the ground as he does. He starts to walk away toward his elevator and Daesu snatches the remote up. He opens it and aims it at Wu Jin's back. As the elevator doors open, Daesu presses the button. Wu Jen has a smug smile on his face as the remote does not stop his heart, but initiates a playback of the audio from when Daesu and me do were making it sweet. I swear to you, he's like, you thought a doctor <laughs> <Yeah>. really? <laughs> you guys are really going after this it. Well, yeah. <laughs> I'll see you later. <laughs> it's, the, it's the opposite of erasing your memory. It's yes, making you yes. remember. God, it's so bad. This was so, it was such a, a long game con and it, it's again you could have just let this go dude but you needed to get that last piece of revenge now look what's going on well, i swear but i mean think about it he gave him the thing and he's like let's see what he's gonna do yeah and he still so punish him one more yeah. time such a petty bitch move such a like this is the pettiest thing that wujin has ever done of <laughs> <laughs> all yeah honestly hey it was either that or die yeah yeah but, but he, like you were lying, like you set this up no, way well, back yeah. then. <laughs> <laughs> but Daesu continues pressing the button until he freezes when he realizes what he's listening to. Wujin turns to him and the two lock eyes. Daesu curls up on the floor. This is another uh, instance when Choi fell asleep. No. They said literally uh, on the penthouse floor. Jeez. Yeah. Well, look at all the energy expended. I know, yeah. dude. It ain't easy being a dog. <laughs> <laughs> Every dog has his day, but, but it's not this, today. Yeah. <laughs> this day for this dog has not gone quietly. <laughs> it was all bark and no bite. Right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was uh, pretty rough. Yeah. <laughs> He's no lap dog. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> it's enough to give one pause. <laughs> um, dog. <laughs> <laughs> this is a very tense moment. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we can get back into it. <laughs> but Wu Jin leaves Daesu with a parting sentiment. My sister and I knew everything, but we still loved each other. Can you two do the same? 
The elevator door closes and Daisu is left to listen to himself finish, which really is punishment enough for whatever he's done. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be like, give me those scissors back. <laughs> yeah, can you pay and have my tongue put back in? Because <laughs> this is enough, I'd say. <laughs> You might have to actually give me money. Too. <laughs> I'm entitled to compensation <laughs> for having to listen to this. I don't want to see those infomercials. <laughs> have you been? <laughs> this is very specific. Yeah, no. <laughs> very specific. But now in the solitude of the elevator, Wu Jen looks pained. His waltz starts as he looks down at his hand and sees that he is holding someone else's. He sees his sister's name and we flash back in his memories to that day at the dam. His sister dangles off the edge of the dam as he holds onto her arm, very much in the same fashion that Daesu held the tie of the man on the roof. This was another really great parallel. Yeah. But young Wu Jin sobs and his sister looks at him calmly. She tells him that she knows he's been scared so he can let go of her already. She reaches up and grabs the camera dangling from around his neck. She asks him to remember her as she snaps a picture of herself against the water. This is the scene where they said the person, the FX person that had this scene, it took them a month because Park Chan-wook wanted all of the foam and the water and the dam behind her gone. Wow. So it took a month for him to digitally remove any trace of the white foam in the water. Damn. He said that, that was the hardest work that they did on this. And they had a giant ant on a train. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I did see on a featurette how they filmed this, which I thought was really interesting. Mm-hmm. Is the same thing with the guy on the roof where she's attached to wires on this edge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But then the way that they show what happens next, which I don't think we've gotten to exactly. No. Although we do know what happens next. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they were literally, they just moved everyone back and then they had her on wires in front of a blue screen right on the same bridge. Oh, okay. And so they're just like, well, we'll just scooch over here and film yeah. <laughs> yeah. what happens. And again, with, I guess, all of that FX work, it looks brilliant. It yeah. does. And the sequence is just so, I mean, the way that we cut back and forth. Yes. It's so beautiful, oddly. Yeah. It's honestly devastating. And it is beautiful as well, because after everything that we've seen and everything that we've learned, I'm just emotionally exhausted. Yeah. And then going through this, it's like, I can't. <laughs> I know I've said it already. I can't take any more. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but this is- you're feeling you're like, man, he never left this bridge. No. Yeah. And it's like, God damn. Yeah. And again, like we were saying earlier, you got your revenge. You got your vengeance. What now? Yeah. Yeah. But after she snaps the photo of herself, she tells him that she has no regrets. And we alternate between young Wu Jen and Wu Jen now, holding on to her until she pulls herself free. He lets go and she falls into the water below. Standing at the dam in his slick suit, Wu Jen's fingers pantomime the cocking of a gun. We immediately cut to him in the elevator. The doors open as the bullet enters his brain and he falls to the ground, dead by his own hand. Smoke rises from the hole in his head and that pained expression remains etched forever onto his face. So much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The cocking of the gun and his empty hand at the dam. Man. I, I don't even have the words for it because you know what's, hap- you know what's happening. Yeah, for real. yeah. And he had said, what else does he have? Yeah, that was it. That's wild. 
As the door closes again, we hear Desu's voiceover. He says that up until this point, this has all been his adventure. We are listening to a letter he's written, and he thanks the reader for listening until the terrible end. And he hopes that now they understand his sending a letter instead of talking in person. He has no tongue to speak with. So this is kind of when we realize that all of his voiceovers, all of his narration have been in a, this is a letter yeah. that he wrote. Now he sits across from Miss Yu in a snow-covered clearing in the woods. Now this ending, I don't want to interrupt it by adding a whole bunch of shit, so I'm just going to tell y'all now. Um, they said that they had to travel to the Southern Hemisphere for the snow for this ending. So this is in New Zealand. Wow. That what they the filmed fuck? this. And they said that their luggage got lost along the way. So they lost their cameras. They had to rent cameras Damn. in New Zealand. And there was a costume for Desu to wear during this ending that was painstakingly handmade and oh, it was lost wow. on their flight over there. So they had to rent a costume from a studio warehouse in New Zealand. Damn. And Park Chan-wook said that he intentionally made it ambiguous. The seasons have changed, but you don't know if this is months later or years later. We, yeah. have, we have no idea. And I think that that really works. And he was like, I wanted it to be, why are they in chairs in the snow in the woods? Yeah. Well. Yeah. But Miss Yu holds his letter and tells him that she has no reason to help him, but admits that she was moved by his last sentence. Even though I'm no better than a beast, don't I have the right to live? I mean, you stole that, but. You did. Yeah, but I mean. <laughs> <laughs> plagiarism yeah but you know I mean, it's gonna save your life i guess it's worth it I guess it's worth the dishonesty she looks at the sentence and tells him that the hypnosis may go wrong and mess up his memories she asks if that's okay with him and he nods and please fuck them shits up please <laughs> she walks over to him and grips the side of his neck as she kneels down to his level she tells him to stare at a specific tree once he's ready she guides him into the hypnosis, telling him that the tree is slowly changing into a cement pillar. We see this, and she tells him that he is now inside Wu Jin's penthouse, and suddenly he is. He stands in front of a wall with the mural of a crashing wave behind him. She describes the sound of Desu's footsteps to the window, and we hear them as he strides over to the window broken in his fight with Mr. Han. He stands looking over the city, and she tells him that when she rings her bell, he will be split into two people. She rings it, and the room goes dark. Desu is face to face with his reflection tinged in purple. She says that the one that doesn't know the secret is named O Desu. The one that keeps the secret is named the monster. This version of Desu grins at the ignorant purple one. She says that when she rings the bell again, the monster will walk away and age a year with every single step. Interesting. Yes. Mm -hmm. I didn't even clock this until watching it again. And I was like, oh, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> the teeth. Yeah. Yeah. She rings the bell and he turns and walks. She assures Desu that when he reaches 70, the monster will die, but it will be a peaceful death. The lights go out as the monster retreats, and Miss Yu's voice wishes Desu luck. The reels in Wu Jin's penthouse run out. Desu wakes up alone in the snow. The palette here is stark, black, white, and gray, until Mi Du comes over in bright red. 
She cries, cradling his face and looking at what's become of him. She tries to rub his hands to warm them. Noticing footprints behind him, she asks who he was with. Desu does not respond. He only turns to look at the footprints that trail past the chairs where he sat with Miss Yu. So was this Miss Yu or was this the monster? I don't know, considering the footprints. Yeah. Um, I, you know, it's ambiguous, but it's ambiguous in a way that's fascinating. Yeah. yeah. Midu hugs him and rests her head on his shoulder. She tells him, I love you, Desu. As the last waltz begins to play, Desu's lips twitch upward until he's baring his teeth in a terrible and tortured smile. It fades to black and the credits roll. So, what did you guys think of Old Boy? I really enjoyed this movie a lot. Um, I noticed a lot of things the second time that I did miss the first time. So, um, and I don't say it a lot, but this is a movie that you catch stuff watching it on a rewatch and it does make it more enjoyable, mm-hmm. which the movie is already great. Mm-hmm. The, I will be honest and I've, I've said it before with seven. It's just how bleak <laughs> the movie is some, sometimes and a lot of the times and the ending and all. And it's like, it's a lot. Um, but other than that, everything about this movie is fucking great. Like I was like, God damn, everything means something. Everything is for something. And, uh, other than that, like there's not anything wrong with the movie, like period. The music's fantastic. Uh, the, like you always say T the cinematography. Yes. Like, like I, for me, that's one thing that I will say about this movie Every shot is fucking like, God damn. It's like, you guys, you know, you know what you're doing. <laughs> it's like, all right. <laughs> um, but yeah, other than it being just some fucked up shit and, and the bleak stuff, I don't really have much to complain about. I This film is just, it's brilliant. Mm-hmm. The way that they do everything, the way that they accomplish their story mm-hmm. to hint at so many things so intricately yeah this attention to detail going through the set design and the costume design the music cues everything makes sense and the thing that is very rare for a film is to watch through it the first time and be like, well, that doesn't make a lot of sense. And by the end, it's like, oh no, that makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's exactly why that was happening. Yep. So, and that happens several times throughout this film. Oh yeah, which is just a testament to the brilliance of the writing. Mm-hmm. To say, hold on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Trust me. Um, the performances are unbelievable. Choi as Day Sue gives just such. I mean every emotion imaginable yeah and that's kind of what i was talking about with the intro where this film takes you through so many different feelings Mm -hmm. and it works every single time the tragedy of this story for both the villain and the protagonist Mm -hmm. the i mean dark humor yeah the action works there's never a point where you're like all right you're trying to do too much yeah (laughs) this is too much it just works and that takes a very skilled hand that takes very competent and a visionary director. Yeah. And Park Chan-wook. Yes. If anybody is. Yeah. Uh, no, I, you know, this film is fantastic and I can't really think of anything that I would 
even consider thinking about changing. Yeah. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I wanted to start just by saying how how much I love Park Chan-wook's work. And I mean, I feel like there are, and we've talked about it a lot, just those directors where you're like, did you make this for me somehow? <laughs> I feel that way about his work, about Mike Flanagan's work, where it's just like, I no notes, no notes. Yeah. You're, this is perfect. Everything that you're doing, more of that. Like, <laughs> I, I just, he astounds me. Um, and this movie, of course, is no different. I uh, just am in awe of it. Every time I watch it, like, <laughs> we talked about up top, that had to be three times in succession that I watched it uh, <laughs> for the first time with Kristen, then with each of you. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's just, it gives something more every time that you watch it. It is very bleak and very sad and very dark, but it balances such heaviness really expertly. Like how are how am I laughing? And then also feeling the way that I feel with Wu Jin in that elevator. Mm-hmm. With Daesu begging in the penthouse. It's and then the the you know kind of body horror of the the tongue mutilation and the teeth and again we don't really see anything no no but just the visual of that hammer on that tooth i'm in hell like i'm (laughs) i'm fucking miserable that's all i need and the sound design this yes none of it is overdone there are these moments of surrealism of things that actually are pretty fucking over the top Mm -hmm. but it's done in such a way like you said t where it's not like oh y'all are doing too much like it all fucking works there's a giant ant on a subway yes yeah and i'm like oh poor me too (laughs) (laughs) she's so lonely (laughs) she's so alone (laughs) i it, it is it's there's these iconic shots there's these moments. I mean, just as simple as we were talking about Wu Jin leaning into the car. Mm-hmm. That stuck with me. That affected me. Um, the pacing of it. The fact that we meet him so early. We're given this deadline. So there's this fucking ticking clock. Once you get, I feel like meeting Wu Jin, it flies. Yes. I mean, this is a two hour movie and it fucking simultaneously flies by and feels like you crammed three hours worth of story in here. Yeah. Like I, I truly don't know how to explain it. This is a film that needs to be experienced. There is very taboo, very dark, um, horrific subject matter. But I, I, the story that is being told this story of this all consuming revenge on both sides Mm -hmm. and it serves no one mm-hmm. in this ambiguous ending okay best case scenario you forgot and you're going to continue a relationship with your daughter there is no winner here yeah the best case scenario <laughs> is terrible look at where it leaves both of them yes yeah. it's awful <laughs> like there are no winners and and really thinking about it Midu doesn't still doesn't know no any of no not she did nothing it's absolutely tragic. nothing tragic and for her it's a horrible yeah. she lost her entire family like it's horrible for me do from start to finish whether yeah. she no yeah co- like cognitively consciously knows everything or not it's so unfair she's the only innocent person in the whole movie yeah yeah um ugh, I just <laughs> <laughs> I can't I can't say enough about it i will um i guess we can kind of slide into ratings as well this mm. is kind of a 
a word vomit, you know, all encompassing situation. But um, again, I, I, I can't say enough about the music, the pieces that were composed, the way that they are utilized and placed, the meaning behind them, the emotions that are invoked through them. Um, it's just masterful. And then learning behind the scenes, the nitpicky shit that they argued about and the way that it ended up, it just couldn't, for me, be better executed. It's incredible. Everybody is perfectly cast. And again, Choi Min Seek, I just, it's like he's he plays three different characters in this. Yeah. <laughs> watching him through the stages that dude in the police station doing the fucking moonwalk <laughs> is not the same man that is barking and crawling around that penthouse no, yeah. that is not the same fucking person no like it's or the man in captivity none of those are the same people yeah well there's i noticed there's a lot of reflections in the movie yeah Again, off the movie there's a lot of use of reflections it's um the motifs the patterns the colors the messaging that you know it's not you exact your revenge and what are you, what are, you're still empty. It doesn't, you know, doesn't solve anything. Wu Jin was broken, mm -hmm. you know, uh, I just can't, I could talk about it for hours. Um, we did. We yeah. did. <laughs> In fact, we did. Um, uh, yeah. Um, I, I, I don't know anything else. Anything further would just be rambling about how much I love this fucking movie, <laughs> how excited and a little trepidatious I am that we I'm finally getting my monkey's paw wish <laughs> that we're covering. <laughs> um, but all of that being said, I don't think it will be any surprise to anyone when I say that on a scale from one to ten harrowing hallway brawls, I, of course, am giving old boy ten out of ten harrowing hallway brawls no notes i would not change a frame this is a perfect must-see film um and i that's that <laughs> and i will now open up the floor to you no i i agree i the movie is is beautiful and everything i think i'm gonna go with and to not to try to keep it short but i think going over all the things we like about the movie is just going to be too long. You know what I mean? There's cuz there's way more. Um for me the only the only complaints I do have again is how bleak it is sometimes. Um I have stated before that it is very it's like god damn, you know what I mean? Um and it's it the the god damn the incest is uh there's that yeah. That's a big uh weird thing and I'm I, I'll be quite honest. I don't like it. Not in the like. Not like. Of course. Per, yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't think I really yeah, like I it. What a bold stance. <laughs> not it's, to interrupt you, but very quickly, uh, what I read is in the manga. Spoiler alert. I think again, I haven't read it. Is that Wu Jin is exact? Wu Jin's uh, character mm -hmm. is exacting revenge over Daesu because he saw him try out for a choir or something. And he broke down during the tryouts and bared the emotion that he keeps hidden beneath. And it shamed him so much that he imprisoned him for 10 years. And exact this is Park Chan-wook. This, this is not the incest and all that. Mm -hmm. That is not in the, in the manga. Okay. So, all right. Well, <laughs> that, uh, okay. I <laughs> That's wild as fuck. 
<laughs> like, you know what this movie needs? <laughs> Incest. I loved that manga was missing one thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right, something's just not right. <laughs> but it is very heavy. It is a very heavy thing, and it's just like, God damn. Mm-hmm. Um, but other than that, I mean, everything's fucking beautiful. And yes, as a monster, we do deserve to live as well. <laughs> we, um, but yeah, it it everything else is perfect. Uh, I enjoyed a lot of this shit, and it was fucking like God damn! It kept me constantly, and and like you said, it does feel a little long, but not in a bad way. Like it feels like they're because they are cramming everything in there. Mm-hmm. And it's like, God damn, what's happening next? Oh, now we're here. Oh my God. What the fuck? And, and we do get the, the dark comedy at times that's needed. Uh, and it is good. But like I said, that's just a little, it's just too, just the, the, the it feel like the bleak when it was sprinkled one, whether it be a grain of sand, <laughs> <laughs> Or a boulder. Mm-hmm. It, it was the just, same. Yeah, it yeah. Was just one too much. <laughs> so for me, <laughs> on a scale from one to ten harrowing hallway brawls, I'm going to give old boy a 9.5. Okay. I do enjoy the movie, but you that extra little pebble that fell out of the uh, incest thing <laughs> or the what? I don't know what you were sprinkling in there mm-hmm. but it's too much <laughs> yeah it was just a dash too much <laughs> uh, I you know basically would just be repeating everything yeah that everybody already said I just want to say that this film is a cinematic achievement mm-hmm. it is so well crafted that it's almost no it's not almost it is astounding yeah, yeah. and the attention to detail is sublime uh second to none it is just absurdly well done Mm -hmm. from the smallest to the largest aspect of it i'm i'm just always more and more impressed every single time that i watch it Mm -hmm. um and i will watch it again it does take a lot out of you i'll give you that (laughs) yeah that too yeah yeah let's let's take a break from old boy for a little bit (laughs) then we'll come back uh after we've recovered, I guess. <laughs> Let's give it 15 years. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but for me, out of 10 harrowing hallway brawls, I am going to give Old Boy 10 harrowing hallway brawls out of 10. I will say that I have, from the beginning, from the inception of this idea, always championed covering Old Boy Tea. on the show. <laughs> <laughs> and I hope nobody from Discord or Patreon yes. <laughs> decides to show any receipts. I'm furious. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's all from us at Podmortem. What would you rate Old Boy and what should we watch next? Let us know on Twitter at the Podmortem. Be sure to follow us on Instagram and like our Stairhole Productions page on Facebook. Be sure to follow each of us on Twitter at Blood and Smoke, at RealStreeter84, and at TravisMWH. Thank you again to Original Cinematic for sponsoring this week's episode. Please consider pledging to us on Patreon and stay tuned until after the music for a special thank you to our Wendigo Getter patrons. And remember, your words hold power, so be mindful of what you say. Whether intentional or not, sometimes our tongue is truly our mightiest weapon. Until next time. Thank you for staying tuned for a special shout out to our Wendigo Getter patrons. Woo! Yeah! Yeah! Great job. Never tried. <laughs> a special thank you to 
Chris Ontiveros, Kristen Lofton, Megan Martinez, Kimberly Bass, Sophie Hodson, Anthony Jerome M., Jordan Nash, Kent Morton, Lala Thomas, Travis and Nisa Hunter, Miguel Myers ATX, Jennifer Perez, Allison O'Neill, Carissa, TJ and Angie Bronson, Gabrielle Trevino, Spooky Mom, Applin Ontiveros, Karima Rhodes, Antonio Huerta, Kimberly Kleindienst, Will Brown, Sydney Smith, Osvaldo Soto, Bobby Holmes, Donna Eason, J.D. Rezac, Molly Gerhardt, Armand Spasto, Aaron Aguirre, Eggie, William Berry, Brittany Ramatar, Charity Oxner, Amanda Six, Mandy Rainwater, Jordan Roberts, Dylan, Melissa Sierra, Holly Bryan, Jordan Blevins, Liz Heath, Spencer Montalvo, Pancake the Panda, John Ramos, Michael Newding, Alexis Roberts, Dan Laveau, Itzy M, Gary Horton, Leisha Olivier, Kate Lamp, Carlos and Sydney, Jessica Hunter, Helena Rudder, Alan Johnston, Mariah, Livy Fun, Mandy M, Scott Troutman Wise, Mozzie Bear, Brittany G, Dave Burke, Adrian Stakes, Daniel McGinnis, Nick Spill, Emma Hagel Kissinger, Valerie G, Emiliana, Brian Glass, CB, Taylor Santana, Will Lewison, Angelique, Smelly Poo Poo Head, Beth Bauer, Cookie, Esperanza J, Jason Kyle OKC, Joshua Rumley, Danielle Peralta, Brandon, Nicholas Carter, Sawyer Reese Farr, Dr. Diva Loves Horror, Girl That's Scary, Cassandra, Andrea Simmons, Ashley Hagera, William and Zena Rush, Ryan Brom, Megan Ochoa, Laura Lassiter, Natalie de Guzman, Eileen O, Marissa E, Sydney, Henry F, Megan M, Strangely Sarah, Christy Beck, Nancy and Andy, Amanda Lopez, Andy Terrell, Jason Hanavan, Abigail Spitzer, Katie K, Erica Morin, Cameron S, Nicole Stewart, Tris Wynn, K.87, Mariah Jensen, Carrie A, Lonnie Lono, Powell, Kayla E, Maggie H, Fernando Dominguez, Murder Stina, No Thanks Tom Hanks, Kevin McGonigal, Kristen Marcy, Ori81 Bariqua, Look Like That One Girl, Bog Boy, Felnez 63, Alita Pui, Probably My Jugs, Kate Thackeray, Wade Pack, A Lizard, Bay J, Jay Rich, Jin Lassiter, Topher Williams, Elena Mettler, Neil Chesson, Valerie Kay, Kim Sterling, Christy Lee Kruger, Professor of Humanities, Laura McCarricker, Naomi, Josh Smith, Autumn Green, Jess L, Itzel, Heather Santiano, Abby Cop, Crystal 831, Cassidy Carruthers, Skank Sinatra, Morgan Alexander, Tony Osteen, Julie Fredborg, Rihanna S, Daniel Taylor, Anna Kate, Heather Ortiz, Jin T, Kim H, Dana Cook, August, Vengeance Spirit, Ernest Acquisition, Sam J. Green, and Kelly Mack. Thank you all so much. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We truly just want you all to know that we love each and every one of you little dumplings. Oh, adorable. Yeah. 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 Blue and purple dragon, I think. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Until next time.